0: That would have been a good little line for the uh, pre-show kind of blooper thing, but uh, I guess it won't be recorded now.
1: Well, why wouldn't it be recorded?
0: Because I wasn't recording myself. Oh. Should <laughs> should we warn
1: people that you're eating a polo mint? Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> you know what I need to do. I need to find a coaster because I'm gonna. I'm, can you hear this? Yep. Yes, I can hear <laughs> right that. Right before I do. hold on, let me clunk. Let me... Let me find something that can be used as a coaster. "Life as We Do Not Know It" by Peter Ward makes an excellent coaster. Is that a book? The NASA search for and since I can never say this word, and synthesis of alien life. Cool. Um, yeah, a potential fodder if I ever get around to doing alternate biology. And
0: now we're definitely going to cut that because everyone's going to be like, "Yay, alternate biology!" Actually, hold on. I need to, I need to get my my notes, so we may as well cut all this as well. One second. Bye. Bye forever. <laughs> Bill, last time we recorded
1: at the very end, you mentioned a thing about silver mining, and you said you were going to bring it up in this episode. So, yes. do you want to go? Do you want to go on that? I'm intrigued to hear what
0: this is all about. Sure thing. So there's a place in the Czech Republic called Kutná Hora. Okay. And it's famous for silver mines. And it's also famous because uh, there's a, a a district of Kutnahur or a nearby town called Sedlec, which is the location of the Sedlec Ossuary, which is a, a church that's entirely decorated inside with human bones. Like everything is made out of bones. Um, I know that church. Metal as hell. I haven't been there, but I've been to the Czech Republic a few times and I've seen loads of uh tourist things. So, and the next time I'm going to make a point of of getting to Sedlec Ossery. But anyway, um Nuhura is known for its silver mines, or it was in the Middle Ages. And apparently the workers there, they would go down the mines on Monday with five or six days food, and they would work all week and come back to the surface on Sunday to see their families and attend mass and just, you know, like have their day off. And then they would go back down the next day.
1: Oh, so they'd live in the mines?
0: They would live, yeah, like six nights out of seven or something in the mines.
1: Wow. I'm assuming this is a standard mine. There's not like some big subterranean cavern where everyone can fit comfortably. Is this sleeping in what I think a mine is, like a tiny little channel?
0: I suspect for that to be necessary, they must have been pretty enormous. Like, for 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 it to be worthwhile for them to actually stay down there rather than just come back up, it must have been a big mine where they would have to travel quite far underground.
1: Hmm. Wow, that's amazing. That sounds terrible. Like, um, all of mining, especially subterranean uh, mining, is kind of terrible. Um, yeah. Especially me being, like, a, a, you know, a digital guy who works at a computer in his house, like, all the time. <laughs> you know? But that sounds particularly bad. You're completely separate. Soft millennial. A very soft millennial, a marshmallow yeah. millennial.
0: <laughs>
1: um, but that sounds particularly bad. Like an entire week away, oof, not good. Not, not good. great. No. Um, cool. A bit of mining follow up. I'm looking yeah. at the uh the Cuitahora flag. It is um unremarkable.
0: <laughs> it's, it's got, got a lot going on. It's There's a lot going on. on.
1: It, it's unremarkable in the sense that they're just taking the coat of arms and just like. Like, literally just stretched it out into a rectangle. Um, Yeah. There wasn't too much invention going on there. The city looked beautiful. Or the town. Look at
0: the lion on the flag. The lion on the flag. Do you notice anything weird about the lion? It's white. That's not that uncommon in, in heraldry to have white lions.
1: Okay, hold on. It's got a yellow tongue.
0: No, not quite that.
1: Okay. It's got two tails.
0: It's got two tails. It's
1: got two tails. Does that mean anything? Yeah, that's a Czech thing.
0: Oh. Uh, you see that a lot in the Czech Republic. Uh, I mean, when I was there, lots of statues in Prague have lions with two tails. And some bank had... Its mascot was a lion in a business suit. And it had two tails. Was Class. Like, that's re- yeah, <laughs> that's really weird. What's that about? And so I asked the tour guide. And it's an old symbol because C- Czech Republic... I really prefer the name Czechia, but not not many people use it or Czechia. I'm not sure which way it's meant to be.
1: Is, is that a legit thing? Yeah,
0: it's 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 been advised by lots of different organizations, and it's like officially approved by the Czech government. I think because saying "their Czech Republic" is just kind of annoying and long to me, which you could just say like Czechia. But anyway, um, it's a it's an old symbol of the Czech people because it's two kingdoms, Bohemia and Moravia, and each tail is one of the kingdoms. And it's kind of like the lion having two tails shows their kind of unity.
1: Oh, that's cool! I thought it was Isn't based it? on like uh, naturally occurring local fauna, and they actually legit have two-tailed lions. That would have been really nice.
0: It would have been very cool, but it, I don't no. think they do. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's cool. That's interesting. Anything? No. Uh, do you know of anything about this raven by any chance? Is there any cool story about that, or is it just a? It's just a bird. Um,
0: I'm not sure. Let's let's check. Let's see if. It, Let's check. Let's check. Uh, <laughs> oh, most puns! Tired joke in history. I am going to complain
1: about puns at a later stage, bohemia. and I feel sorry that I have engaged in hmm.
0: punning. No, it's in it's in Bohemia itself. It's not in Silesia, so it's not the Silesian eagle. So I don't know what it is. Hmm. Um, no, I I I couldn't say. It's probably something like a. a, a a specific local kind of symbol or something.
1: Hmm. There you go. Um, flag and information about this town will be in the show notes. Yes. Uh, anything else on the mines there, or is that the point you wanted to get across?
0: Uh, that was just, just uh, it kind of occurred to me as a cool thing when we were talking about mines uh, last week, and also the awful labour conditions that you you uh, mentioned around the Ejen volcano and I was like yeah that's pretty terrible here's another awful labor condition
1: i mean but like, again do like mind? do you get like good labor conditions around mines i don't think that's a thing that
0: happens uh possibly not i mean i mean like they're probably better today than they were then. <laughs>
1: yeah it's still pretty bad I, there's a there's a mine near where i live in my familial uh, home and there's it's now um no longer in operation but they have mm-hmm. a museum there and it ran way up into modern times like maybe 20 30 years ago it stopped and um the museum just depicts an image of just utter hardship like it's yeah you know and that's that's a modern mine in a first world country that ran up until like the 70s or 80s and it's still horrific so i don't know if good mining conditions exist um
0: What, what were they mining coal Co- oh yeah, coal mines are brutal because it's it's in really like a thin seams. So yeah, it's like two foot high kind of thing. So it's it's really awkward to to mine. See, that's what I was thinking when you brought mm. up the
1: silver mine. I was like, that's what I think a mine is. And it's like, are people just lying, like topping and tailing the entire way down
0: mm. the mine? I, I don't know. I hope I think not. Different, different things obviously come in in different seams and in in like different kind of structures. So, I don't think everything is quite as as difficult as coal,
1: yeah not not yeah. all mines will look exactly the same um yeah their 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 structure will be based upon the thing that is to be extracted,
0: yeah, um, there was coal mines not a huge distance away from me as well in in castle Comer, um which is across the border and up up the hill, it's kind of in, in Kilkenny um and it used to be. Traded it used to be brought down and traded in Carlo and in my home village. Like they would bring it down and it would get be loaded onto to boats there for the river trade.
1: Yeah, I I figure there's um there's coal mines everywhere here surely.
0: Not everywhere. I mean, it only it only occurs in some places, but they wouldn't be hugely uncommon.
1: Um, the thing you brought up, name of that town. What's the name of that town?
0: Castle Comer.
1: Yeah. Okay. Irish names, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever stopped and thought about Irish place names and are kind of like. They sound
0: like they're from Middle Earth. Like, all the time. Well, no, that hasn't been my thought about them, but I do think about them a, a lot, yes. Like, the place where this happens a lot for me is on the Dart.
1: hmm So many of the Dart stops... Oh, I'm sorry, for the listeners, the Dart is like the um, rail system in Dublin. The local rail for Dublin, yeah. The local rail for Dublin. Um, but so many of the stops on the Dart are like real fantasy Esque, (laughs) um, oh yeah, hold on. I have a map. Let me let me point out a few here, okay? Um, Rathdum, Rathdrum, yeah, that's really badass. Um, let me see. I always like Shank Hill because it just sounds really dodgy, even though it's a really nice area. (laughs) Uh, Glenagiri. Yeah. Sandy Cove and Glass Tool. Like glass tool sounds like it's straight out of Middle Earth. Yeah. It's amazing. And there's Greystones. Greystones is great, yeah. Um and there's loads of them like that. And every time I'm on the dart, I'm always kinda like, I am travelling through Middle Earth. This is great.
0: Where where I lived in my first year of of college before before I met you. Um but ju- just down the road from, from where I lived when, when I met you first is one of the mosques in Dublin. this uh this is on south circular on the south circular road yeah yeah, yeah yeah, and I used to walk past it you know all the time, walking to to and from town, uh but when I moved in first they there had been a storm or something recently enough, and uh their sign had been slightly damaged hmm. and one of one of the letters had fallen off and in on the Irish language sign, so where it should have said. Uh, I can't remember what the Irish mosque is, I think it's just Mosque. Where it should have said Mosque Balyarkliah, Balyaklia being the Irish for Dublin. Mm-hmm. The C had fallen off, and it said Mosque Ballyahalea," And Balia would translate literally as Greyford. Oh. And that sounds like like a total fantasy name, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, oh that's so cool, they should change it to that. <laughs> 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 Greyford, i
1: like it um so yeah listeners study irish maps is a good fodder there it's really good <laughs> um as so next up as modian underscore um made a thing and that thing was cool they made a video based on the outtakes of this podcast um and it's really good and it's really funny and i really like it because it's just like it's text-based and there's a bit of ipa nerdery happening in it Mm. and it was nice it was a really cool nostalgia trip to be like i remember when i said those things like a year ago it's great it was really good so we will link in the show notes and apparently there's kind of sort of an idea to do more of these which i fully endorse um because these are great
0: yeah i i really enjoyed it um I think they said it was part of practicing writing with a new calligraphy pen. And oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun, and I really, really enjoyed uh, transcribing our snorts and laughs and giggles <laughs> and general verbal ticks into IPA. I, I was very entertained by that. <laughs>
1: the the, uh, the best one for me was the bit where you had you had laughed. And I was in the middle of like inhaling, and mm. the IPA transcription because you can't hear me inhale. is just a blank, blank box. I think it's great. And It, per- <laughs> it perfectly like, punctuates the humor. It's so good. uh it's so good. I, I, we. There's also maybe uh, the rumor has it that there may be some characters coming into this series of artifacts and podcast inspired um, videos. Uh, and apparently there there might be a a Bill and Napoleon mashup thing happening. What do you think of that?
0: I I want to clarify my position here. Okay. <laughs> I I am not a Bonapartist, as such. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's just he's a really interesting individual, and he's like a, a personal kind of badass. But I don't agree with with all of his. I agree with some of his politics, but I I don't agree with all of his politics.
1: Yeah, but, Bill, you, you know the way humour works, right? W- whereby you take a person's stance and you, like, elevate it beyond all sorts of sense of realism so it becomes funny.
0: Yeah? No, 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 no I'm fine with that. I just, <laughs> I just want to clarify my position, okay? And also, I also want to point out that the Napoleon hat that, like, most people associate, associate with him is a bicorn hat. And it was used by lots of uh, different militaries in that era. So, I, I think it would be an, uh, an appropriate usage if, if it was going to put onto my avatar because I'm interested in that era. And it wouldn't necessarily imply Bonapartist sympathies or tendencies.
1: Okay. And it gets as... the point across that you're a big Bonapartist as well.
0: How about you ha. <laughs> <shit? laughs>
1: <laughs> oh god i can't wait to see it. if it happens great <laughs> it'll be so cool um because i i don't have anything fun to look forward to in this regard because i i would imagine my character would be the artifact scene alien um that seems like the natural thing to do um so it'd be fun to see stick figure bill not not bone, not bone apart <laughs> I don't know, something like that but um, yeah, so if, there, if more happens uh, as more than underscore link us, definitely we will share and distribute and all that sort of jazz um, and links in the show notes to the first video go check it out, it's, it's really fun um, yeah, so on uh, to another point people were positive about your writing Edgar people were positive about my writing there's not much to discuss here other than I just want to say thanks to people like they were really nice and there was like some really good constructive criticisms. Um, like people saying like, you know, the last line of the, 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 the thing you wrote is a bit jarring. Here's the reasons why. Maybe look into mm-hmm. doing something like this. Everyone was great. Just, that's literally all I have to say about this. Just people are class and thank you for being class.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> You're
1: welcome. <Built> on, <laughs> on, on their behalf. <laughs> um, do you have a thing on uh, world building anvil?
0: Yeah, uh, now, I have not listened to this, but remember a few weeks ago, or a few episodes ago, we were talking about world-building podcasts, and how there don't seem to be many. hmm Well, I found one. Oh! Uh, Call- one, one that wasn't linked by people after the show, like, completely I, independently I, of the show. I don't remember it being it. it, it remember it being linked. You know what, maybe I'd better just check the, the subreddit in the bottom. But and either way, going.
1: you didn't go from the subreddit to that podcast, you literally just
0: found it independently. Yeah, I actually, I had found it a while ago and bookmarked it and then forgotten about it. (laughs) Okay. Um, But uh, there we go. (laughs) Uh, And I was tidying up all of my bookmarks the other day because, you know, it's obviously a good use of my time. Um, (laughs) And I came across Uh, it again and I was like, oh, there's a thing. And we should, uh, you know, I would have liked to have known that two months ago when we discussed this. Speaking uh, of, a, while you're looking there, speaking of a good use of time,
1: I was really not in the mood to do work one of the days. And you know the way you do that thing where you're like, today I will rearrange my bookmarks and I'm being productive. I am doing work. Look at me go. Um yeah. I had a similar thing, except I just redid the aesthetics of the Artific Scene website. No one cares. Like, this is not a thing that is important at all. But I spent like a good maybe hour or two just like picking a new color scheme. And doing all of this. And afterwards, I felt like I'd done a solid day's work. I was really happy with myself. And then I played City Skylines. and then, I liked the new color scheme. Yeah, it, the dark mode was kind of necessary. I, I was going on the website late at night one time. And the, the white just burned my eyes. So mm. uh, from now on, I think anything that can be made dark mode will be made dark mode. Because it's just, it's just better. Um, yeah. But anyhow, point being, it's funny how we find these menial little tasks that ultimately don't, really make that much of a difference but we feel really super like productive after having done so mm-hmm. um so that was my one yours is bookmarks mine is website redesigns
0: well i i reorganized all of my bookmarks and i i deleted any ones that, that i didn't want anymore and i went through my academic pdf library and reorganized and standardized all the metadata so Ooh, nice. i think that was that was yeah that was a, a good day do
1: you know what i've done i've i've realized this is completely off point but now that we're in the same time zone we can kind of record for a little bit longer um <laughs> i have uh gotten rid of bookmarks i don't use bookmarks anymore no no i find they're just so cluttering like i used to have a big massive bar on the top of my browser with tons of bookmarks like folders within folders um yeah and very often i find that they became kind of like um like clickbait for want of a better word, like I would be bored and then I would be like, Oh, there's the Facebook bookmark click. And then you're there scrolling through your friend's feed for the next like 40 minutes. Mm. Um, so in eradicating them, I kind of have like a blank minimal browser and then I kind of only ever do what I want to do as opposed to just kind of like mucking around. Um, that's kind of working. It's a bit awkward constantly having to type out, you know, youtube.com and Facebook, but I think it's good. I think it was a good change.
0: I I don't have them visible on my browser. I have to like open the the menu. I have to like open the bookmarks menu and, and scroll through them there. So they're they're hidden away. It's much tidier.
1: Yeah, that's that. I've tried doing that, but I nearly always I always forgot the uh, shortcut. And then I was like, oh crap! Where do I, how do I get this back? And it's like, where's the gear icon oh there it is click down on what folder is where is the thing and then it just took me forever and i got frustrated so i was like no it's either you have bookmarks or you don't for me um <laughs> so yeah anyhow anyhow so what, what
0: world building anvil so
1: you were checking a thing
0: world builders anvil world builders anvil uh it's on it's on itunes anyway it may be available at other places i'll send you the link for the for the show notes cool. it's at like 200 almost 200 episodes 192 Hmm. Is this um, a, is this a, a pro podcast or
1: is this like like us like two amateurs just sitting in a room pretending to know talk about what they pretending I to have, understand the things they talk about?
0: I have not listened to it yet. <laughs> oh, you have not um, right. But I will. I will, and it's there if other people want to see it. Um, and it seems to, that it might be a little bit. Uh, oh no! Well it says it, it mentions game mastering and writing fiction. So yeah, it, it covers it covers a couple of different aspects of the hobby and a couple of different end goals for the hobby. So yeah, there we go. Cool. I will pull in the show notes. Go check it out. I will also have a have a listen. It's good to good to know of
1: more world building podcasts. Absolutely. Good to know we're not alone sailing on this sea.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um. Okay. So I think that's follow up done. Um. Do you have anything fun in the emails?
0: Anything fun in the emails? Let me check. Uh. So we've got actually two emails about binary planets. Mm-hmm. So first one here is from Ethan Price again. Um, and just asking general about how do binary planets work. Uh, they're currently working on a star system with a pair of co-orbital binary planets in the habitable zone. And they're just look, kind of looking for numbers as to how that would work. And we've actually got a, a very similar question from Chikiko Sotome. Long time listener. From- Good to hear from you again, Shikiko. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the, their question is: if you lived on the surface of a moon in a binary system, what would the movement of the other moon look like from the surface of your planet?
1: Okay, okay, right. So let's 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 talk about this. So the 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 first point about the like uh, binary moons: how do they work? Um, th- the binary moons work kind of like a regular planet and moon system, except that the, the they are of equal size or near equal size. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think people get really, they get really confused when they're kind of like, oh, they got two planets together. What is this madness? When just think of it like an overly large moon. And there is, Uh, I discuss it a little bit in one of my uh, moon building videos and I'll throw the links uh, in the show notes and you can go check it out. Um, But I think once you rephrase it in your mind as being, this is just a moon that happens to be like almost as massive as Mm -hmm. uh, the planet, it becomes a lot easier to think about them because we all kind of intuitively grasp the idea of a planet and a moon. Um, And if you just think about a planet and a bigger moon, it kind of like, um, it helps that way.
0: Two planets sharing an orbit and orbiting around a common center.
1: Yeah, but again when you put it in planet land, then you're suddenly kinda of like I've I've no way of grasping what two planets do, but when you're just kinda of like it is okay. it is a planet and an abnormally large moon that orbit around the common center, then you're kinda of like, I know what a moon and a planet is. This makes sense. Right. Um, links links in the show notes anyways to the video and you can go check it out.
0: And all the maths for working out like how they would orbit around each other is in the videos and everything, yeah? Yeah, oh that's that's a good point. So then
1: they kind of become... Uh, then you can almost think of them... Uh, when they become equal size, you can kind of think of them as stars and use all the formulae that I've laid out in those multiple star building videos, but just apply it to the planets. Because orbital mechanics is orbital mechanics, regardless of what the bodies are. Right. Um, because like binary stars, they orbit a common center of yeah. mass and all that sort of jazz. And the same thing... Uh, should, I haven't tried it, but like, I can't see why it wouldn't, uh, should work for binary moons. So I'll leave those in the show notes as well.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: Now, the the point about what the moon would look like, my intuitive feeling from thinking about this for a little bit um, is that it would be very much like our moon, like standing on the surface of one uh, moon, and looking at the other will be very much akin to Earth-like experience, except that the other moon will increase and decrease in size drastically uh, as the orbit goes, depending on, like, how close the bodies are. That's my gut
0: feeling. It could they, mean, be a fixed distance from each other, right?
1: No, like, hold on, let's look. There's some... Hold on, let me find a diagram. Um, binary, binary stars... Wait, there's, a ni- there's a nice simulation on Wikipedia for stars now, but again, the same thing is is applicable. Uh, Can I find it? Yeah, this guy here. I will put this in the show notes. I will put this in the show notes for people as well so they can check it out. Um, Let me see, I'll send it to this to you on Skype.
0: Okay. I have a Skype message. Oh my God, a Skype message. Who could this be from? okay. Is that is that the only way that they would that a binary system would work?
1: No, cuz again it depends on how close they are in mass. Like if 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 the other body is um significantly lower in mass, then it becomes more and more akin to an earth moon system. So but you're that, not going to get
0: like Pluto and and Charon cuz they just kind of have a circular orbit around a common center, don't they? They don't. I don't think they do this.
1: No, they don't do that because that's because, uh, Charon isn't uh, equi mass to Jupiter. Like they're they're again they're getting close, like more than any other planet. You mean in, to Pluto? To to sorry to Pluto. More. <laughs> uh, did I say Jupiter? Yes, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Let me take that again. So, uh, Charon isn't uh, close enough in mass to. Um, to Pluto <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to m- allow for this type of orbit, um, this sort of like two egg orbit. Um, but if you look at it, again, there's some simulations with Wikipedia for that as well. Um, Pluto t- does make a little circle, like a pronounced yeah. little circle, and Charon does its thing as well. So this is, like, this is what happens when they're like equi, ec- of, equi- of equivalent mass. And so this is like the extreme case. And then think of the other extreme case as being the Earth and the Moon, where one is seen as almost stationary and the other one uh, orbits around it. And then you have to try and envisage what happens as the limits of their masses become closer and closer. That all said, uh, I still think the best way of envisaging what this will all look like is to get Universe Sandbox, set up a binary Moon system, and then just like put your put yourself on one of the moons and play the simulation and look at what happens to your moon. Right. I think that's the best, best way of doing it because there's no, I have no maths to predict this, um, to predict what will happen and like how they will look and things like that. So it's either just use your imagination or use Universe Sandbox and look at simulations of uh, other bodies that are similar to the, the things you want to do and then judge off that. Okay. Does that make sense? I think that does. Uh, but Universe Sandbox is not free, though I will say. But I think it's it's that if you're a person who's kind of nitpicky about like how things will look in space and what would it look like to be on the surface of this, looking at mm-hmm. that, uh, Universe Sandbox is a really good uh, resource, definitely. Um, cool. So yeah, there you go. Long winded discussion about binary moons. Links in the show
0: notes. <laughs> um, I can I have a slight digression. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. okay. <laughs> go for what's up no no you said no I um, always do he always turns it around to me <laughs> uh, um, could it be possible or it, could you have a, a body in horseshoe orbit that is large enough to be visible from the surface of a planet so you, remember, you know the horseshoe orbit
1: yeah yeah like yeah yes because that happens in our system really yeah, um it's in one of my videos again, links in the show notes. Uh, uh and M Mphrates, I can't pronounce the name of the two moons, they're two Saturn's moons, and mm. they are roughly equal size if I recall correctly, and they are in a horseshoe orbit.
0: So could a could a planet say the size of Earth have a satellite in a horseshoe orbit, but one that was like large enough to be visible? I would say so. Yeah, I don't cool. I don't think that is forbidden by the laws of the universe. Cool. because yeah. That would be a cool calendar to have.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. As in, y- wait, hang on. No, hold on. Why would that, what would that do to the calendar?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It just, it would be a cool thing to base it on. You know, when it, when it grows bigger and goes away and then comes back on again and goes away again. And it would be a cool like thing. If you had a fantasy world or a, a fictional world to base it around like the culture, this is the thing they observe or that they count the passage of time by.
1: That's fair. Yeah, the, their lunar calendars will be a, a whole lot more exciting than ours. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, d- I don't think any of that is is forbidden. Uh <laughs> I think that that is all well doable. And certainly within the realms of like a slightly fantastical thing. It's definitely doable. Yeah. Um yeah, there you go. Look at me! I was able to answer. See, you know what the problem with with, with, with uh, listeners' submitted emails. I love them; they're really good. It, the only thing is, I think people assume that uh, I am like a fountain of world building knowledge, and I I know all this stuff. <laughs> like off the top of my head when really I am I am super stupid and like I just really like researching things. So it, I, I always find it really amazing when someone asks a question and be like, I have an answer to this without research. Mm-hmm. It just feels really cool. Because usually it's like someone will ask a question, I'm like, I should go away and research that for a little bit and perhaps turn <laughs> it into a video. Because I have not, I haven't the slightest idea what the answer to this is. So that feels so, really good. So you're going to make me
0: a Horseshoe Orbits video is what you're saying? I mean, I already did. So, you know, like, but like look, a calendar is based on Horseshoe Orbits video is so what you're going to make me next. We'll see, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I w-
1: oh, I will say slight spoilers or slight, yeah, spoilers, I suppose. The preview. Someone, preview, exactly. Someone left a interesting question in the subreddit. Um... I can't remember which thread it was on. It was on some thread. Um, and that may become a short video, like a, a really quick two-minute sort of like, what happens when X? And oh. yeah, that, that, that is a thing that might happen. So that, that listener has directly uh, impacted my release schedule. Um, assuming what I've concocted is actually correct. I'm having it checked at the moment. So, um, so yeah, bit of a sneaky preview there.
0: Anyways, 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 more emails. More emails. Okay, we've got one here from Aramus. Aramus, And their question is, I'm writing to you to inquire about the topic of developing societies from scratch in worlds. Specifically, I'm working on otherworldly fantasy, as opposed to medieval England-style fantasy, and I've always struggled with working on what the day-to-day life is for the average person in my world. Where should I start? I know that there are smaller questions I need to ask, like cultural dishes and clothing styles, but what are the bigger questions I should ask myself? Hmm. Um, Bill, I feel like this is in your terrain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, will put, I will send you a few links to, to put in the show notes because there are lots of uh, checklists and stuff I've come across on exactly this topic. So when, when you're thinking about a, a society, how does it work? What goes on, like how is the society constructed and how does it see itself? There's a bunch of checklists that people have come up with to go through about how do they... You know, actually I'll pull one up now and I'll, I'll read out some of the... Yeah,
1: I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued.
0: Um, do they
1: like licorice?
0: Yes or no? Uh, it, the answer should always be no. The answer, there, um, should,
1: there shouldn't even be a no option. It should just be <laughs> yes. One box.
0: Somewhat and lots of the two options. Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, so here's just one I I found online. Um, uh, It's it's divided into a few sections. The first one, uh, general. Do average people believe old tales, or do they dismiss some that have a basis in fact? Do wild and rebellious young people dress differently from anyone else? Are they allowed to do so? And how do most people make a living? So that's just like three questions to think about. Hmm. Uh, If we go down, let's say, we'll pick out some from customs. Does the weather or climate contribute any habits or customs, such as a mid-afternoon siesta in hot countries? Who is normally present for births? Is it strictly a matter for women, or are men involved, or is the only woman present the expectant mother? Mm -hmm. What personal weapons are available to anyone who can afford them? Are some considered for nobles only, either by custom or by law?
1: Are there laws
0: forbidding certain classes from being armed at all? Hmm. No, I just picked those three from random. There's a list of several for, for the customs. I, I just picked those three out of random. And I can think of uh, lots of different examples of, you know, those questions being relevant in historical societies. So that seems like a pretty solid list. Uh, pick a letter between C and J, Edgar. It's it's going to have to be E. E for Edgar. E for Edgar. Okay. E for Gestures. eloquent. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, gestures when meeting someone how are they greeted wave handshake bow some other gesture how did the greeting gesture originate for example shaking hands to prove one's weapon hand was empty is that where where handshaking originated from i think that's why people sh- shake with their right hand rather than their left because your right hand was your weapon hand and you if you were using your weapon hand you weren't going to be stabbing them with your sword
1: wait hang on hold on mind blown here do people not shake with just their dominant hand yeah, no? as in, but
0: lefties will shake with their left hand. Yeah, but remember, lefties are to be burned at the stake <laughs> for being changelings.
1: <laughs> for being <laughs> for being changelings.
0: Yeah, did you, did you not know that? Of all things, I like, can expect like an abomination, but a changeling. No, left left-handed people. Are only there because the fairies stole the baby and replaced it with a fairy baby, and that 's why they're the wrong way around
1: oh, bill i'm i'm sorry i'm forgetting my science lessons from from
0: school you're're one hundred percent right um, well that that was, that was like an old an old thing they were changing hmm. yeah. do you
1: know what a um, one of my favorite ways that people greet one another in in fiction? Um, is uh, from Final Fantasy X. Okay. They have this, like, little prayer gesture that they do. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I can't describe it. It's kind of like, it, it looks kind of like they're holding a ball, and they're, like, you know, sculpting the shape of a ball in air, and there's a little bow. And um, as a as a child playing that game, I was like, that was such a, it felt like such, so a part of that world, that it just made mm-hmm. total sense, and it became a real thing, and... Yeah, that was really interesting. And they didn't just do the lame handshake hug thing. They came up with an actual thing and it got tied into their culture. Like it was, it was religious, but it was also kind of, a, it was used at sporting events. And it was really well taught out just for a little gesture to say hi. Cool. Um, it was really good. It was very, very good. Um, give me another letter. I want to pick another letter. Let's go uh, L for licorice. That comes after J. I don't, but I want, is
0: there, is there no option to extend the boundaries to get the best letters in No. I'll take I because that's the second letter of licorice.
1: Oh, I guess so.
0: Okay. So I'll pick one out at random from the category religion and the gods. Hmm. Um, that's a good one here. <laughs> at random. While I go through and select precisely. Oh, did I say it random at first? Uh, you did, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I've decided not to do it random. i decided to make a good one that I can talk well about because I care about the quality of this podcast, Edgar. Um... Oh, that makes two! <laughs> <laughs> so, what customs surround death and burial? Is there a special class of people, doctors, priests, funeral directors, untouchables, etc., who deal with dead bodies? What things must be done and why? Uh, you burn hair to free the spirit, burn body to prevent necromancy, etc., Are the dead feared, revered, or ignored?
1: Yeah, these are solid.
0: These are solid. Now, I've come across a a few versions of of this concept, a few different lists. Sometimes they're a bit rubbish. uh, Sometimes they're pretty good. I would always say don't just think of them as this is a singular question that you'd need to have a specific answer for. Don't treat it quite as prescriptive as that, but use it as a jumping off point to think about those issues. I think that's a more useful way to approach it.
1: Yeah, fully agree, fully agree. Uh, can you define for people uh, what a, what's a bad example of a list? Like, what should people avoid?
0: If they're looking for a list to use in making society, what is a bad one? Yeah, like, what's some of the things to be avoided like? Um, I think ones that make kind of too many assumptions already about the culture. Uh, like I was reading one a while ago, someone posted it to world building, and it, it was something like it, it made some kind of assumption that all societies have an an Oedipus complex or have the concept of an Oedipus complex, which is utterly absurd. Um, hmm, okay. And obviously that makes it kind of a suspect. You know, it wouldn't put it wouldn't make me have much faith in it uh, as a good list to use. But as I said, you could look at all of these as jumping off points and think think about the questions critically rather than just thinking they're you know things that have to be answered. So even at that, it's you know it's not the worst because you if you're thinking about that critically you're you're thinking, well, why would that be? Why should that exist? Um and you could still do interesting stuff with it.
1: Yeah, engage critically. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. That that that's really cool. I I would say a little bit more, I suppose. Maybe just try and engage critically in everyday life as well. Like so much of what we go through in our regular day to day, we do, we don't ever think about. Like, why is that like this, or why did yeah. this occur? And just I suppose take a second to think about that and try and trace it back to its um its yeah. genesis, and then that could be a source of inspiration. I think.
0: Um, Read your Foucault. And Foucault.
1: Yeah, you know the writer Foucault. Foucault, no fire. That means fire, doesn't it? That's Foucault.
0: In what language? Mmm, you're testimonial, Bill. <laughs> I just say something and say, oh, that means this, and I don't know what language you're talking about. <laughs> no, no, you see, hang on, no, no, hang on. You are probably write in some language. No, 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 hang on. I know it means
1: fire because it was the name of a piece that I once played in college. Um, oh, okay. Is it French? I'm going, the guy was French. He was a French. Hold on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up. Um for... Update, it's not French. <clears throat> uh, Hold on, hold on. I can do this. Hold on. What, what is that? Right.
0: It's it's probably a Romance language because it's Fogo in Portuguese.
1: Yeah, Spanish is Fuego?
0: Hmm. Yeah. Like Tierra del Fuego.
1: Yeah, I got to look that up.
0: I hope it means fire. <laughs> I'm pretty sure <laughs> it means fire. Boy, is your face right? What about Italian? Fuego, it's Italian. It's Italian. That guy has nothing to do with it. F-U-O-C-O.
1: It's Italian. There you go. go. Foucault, an Italian word. Learn something Um, every
0: day. So Michel Foucault was a French writer in kind of the mid 20th century and he wrote a lot about how society is constructed and kind of subconscious and unconscious forms of power and domination that exist in society. Hmm. So why did you bring up this person again? Because you said we we see how things work in society, but we'd never actually think about them. Why is that this way? And that's you know some of his stuff is about that, and that's you know society works in unconscious ways.
1: Oh, fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, links in the
0: show notes. Can we link this? Uh, I mean, I haven't actually read all that much of them, but I mean, you could just like link to a Wikipedia or something, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that.
1: Um, okay. Anything else in emails?
0: Uh, last thing in. Oh no! Sorry, two more in the emails. Uh, another email from Chikiko asking about tidally locked planets and how whether that would work and how it would work. So um, would it work? To... Yes. Okay, um, and they could be habitable. They could be habitable.
1: Yeah, I mean the the common the common thing is that yes, they could be habitable, uh, but not on the day side and not on the night side. They, you can only really find habitability in the sort of twilight zone that goes around the,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what's the opposite to the equator? <laughs> like, Well, the, it'll be called the Terminator. The Terminator, that's it, that's the word, yeah, yeah, that goes around the Terminator. Um, that is the common thing. It's further, there's further problems in that uh, to be tidally locked and be in a habitable zone, you have to be tidally locked to a really small star. Mm-hmm. And these really small stars tend to be flare stars. And that means every so often they just decide to like triple their output and they can uh, irradiate planets. Yeah. Um, but you can, there, there's a documentary series, documentary is wrong word, but there's like a science fiction documentary series, I suppose. BBC did years and years ago um, where they asked that question, what would life look like on a tidally locked planet? And they found ways of dealing with this, um, these flares. Um that's where I got my inspiration for the third eye thing with the takaran fauna yeah uh so there's that yeah, but again there's the, i don't think there's anything in science and the laws of the universe that forbids habitability to um arise uh on a tidal like planet
0: my my thought would have been that if it was in a habitable zone say of of like a a sol like star a sun like star um that the the side facing the the sun would just be like constantly blasted and it would kind of boil away the atmosphere, or it would make you know the 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 heat difference between the night side and the day side would mean that it would be like constant uh extreme weather conditions, something like that
1: yeah though that that is a thing that's definitely I guess
0: like if it was a kind of a, a low luminosity star. Um, you might even be able to live like much closer to the like further into the day side, or if it was further out in the habitable, or maybe like beyond what we normally consider a habitable zone, but had a different kind of atmosphere. Yeah, um, but the,
1: on, the only problem there is that you're you're not going to get that. Like you're not going to get an Earth that is tidally locked to the sun. It's just it, it is it. We are too far away, and it is not massive enough.
0: Okay, so so t- 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 tidal, t- tidal lock- locking only happens close.
1: Only kind of happens close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, relatively, I mean, like, obviously if you take a, a, like the largest star conceivable,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, the distance earth is from the sun now would be considered super, super close to that star because of how big it is. Um, so it's all relative, but yes, yeah, you, it generally it's, it's M and K type stars for those star nerds, um, that, uh, g- give rise to locking, mm-hmm. um, now, that actually, I need to put a little addendum here. This is not a thing I explored, so I'm open to being completely wrong on this. But um, as far as I'm aware, and this is real spotty science, is that tidal breaking occurs all the time. You know the sort of way that the moon has slowed the rotation of the Earth? Yeah. Things tug and pull on one another. So I think over the course... Just by orbiting.
0: It's not to do with the fact that this moon is tidally locked. It's just by orbiting.
1: Yeah, it's just by orbiting. Just gravitational interactions. So um, I would imagine over the course of many, 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 many millions of years, uh, the Earth may become locked. But but that doesn't really give rise to a tidally locked Earth-style scenario because by the time that happens, the star is like blown up. Right. Um, so that, that's the thing so I don't know maybe you could find, kind of fudge numbers and be like oh yeah we do have an earth around a salt like star tidal lock because it's like an ancient planet and it's had time to fully break yeah um, I don't know again I, I don't know the time frames involved there at all I have nothing more no more information to glean on that um, but I suppose food for thought cool cool and
0: then one more you said there's one more email one more email um, about loony solar calendars. So you've done a few, uh, you've done a few videos on this, but we've got an email from Oh, well played. New, uh, I believe a new emailer. We've never heard I, that name before. Uh, it's not one that's familiar to me. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. It's good to have you here. Um, <laughs> and they have sent you a, uh, a calendar. Mm-hmm. in a in an earth-like uh world or an or an earth-based con culture with an alternate history. And uh they've sent a lunisolar calendar and they're just uh asking you, Edgar, what you think of it and whether there's anything to to change about it. So I, I'm going to uh I need to talk in general about the calendar thing
1: here and this will sort of kinda of answer the question but also help others. Um <laughs> my system of calendar building is problematic. We've talked about this before, you and I. Um, <laughs> and it does it does a very particular thing. It's like for those nerds who, and I am one of them, who want to just precisely tweak things so everything is all perfect all the time. This is the go-to system. Um, because you can like engineer it such that drifts never occur or whatever. Like you can re- control things. And... Um, The concept of taking the Earth and then trying to, like, retroactively bring it into perfect alignment but keep all of the Earth-like characteristics insofar as possible, that's that's not really going to work. Like, you're never going to take Earth's numbers and make it a perfect calendar such that drifts don't uh, occur, and if they do, they occur on the order of, like, thousands of years. Right. Um. So that that's an important thing. Like, it's. It, I think. Uh. If I I don't mean to like be offensive to the, to the emailer or anything, but I, I think your premise is wrong. Don't take the earth and try and make it perfect and make it, you know, uh, make it fit this idea that I particularly like. Um. Just if you if you want to go with the earth thing, if you want to go with exact earth numbers, just be cool with that. Do it like. And then just be like, okay, there's 12, there's nearly 12 and a half months per year. How am I going to lay that out in a loony Solar thing? And don't worry about the fine minutia. Um, most people won't care about it in the book. Uh, additionally, look at the metonic cycle. I have, it's in a video I made, links in the, <laughs> links in the show notes. Um, the metonic cycle is effectively, um, it's a Hebrew calendar that effectively tries to make the whole system as perfect as possible for earth numbers because we live on earth. Um. So, so I suppose, look at that. But yeah, point is, only use the calendar building thing that I propose if you want to precisely engineer the numbers uh, to be perfect. If you need particular numbers, then I, I would imagine don't use the calendar building method.
0: Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, because what you're talking about is actually changing the, the numbers. Your method is actually changing what the... the the physical reality of it is and you can't really do that to an earth
1: you can yeah you can't and even if you decide to like only say i'll only change the lunar period such that it's it's a yeah. bit more it's a bit better especially with the lunisolar solar bit you kind of need to change everything there um i mean with the solar calendar you don't really need to and things like that but with the lunisolar solar you kind of need to change everything to get everything right uh,
0: fine-tuned well, Although they 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 have said here in the email they they want to have the same natural specifics that we have on Earth, so maybe yeah, they it, aren't changing anything.
1: Is it no the in in the in the calendar that they sent us, uh, which we won't link because I feel like that's someone's private work. Um, it, they do change the month. The month has oh, okay. changed uh, ever so slightly, and then I feel like that defeats the purpose of keeping by, it by Earth-like. month. You
0: mean the the. The yes. lunar period.
1: The lunar period. Sorry, thank right. you for, for the correction there. Yeah, the lunar period. And no, that defeats, that's just clarifying. just clarifying. Yeah, no, no, totally. <clears throat> um, and that defeats the, the purpose of keeping the numbers. If you want to keep the numbers, look at the numbers for what they are and kind of imagine yourself uh, as part of a Kong culture on this like alternate Earth perhaps and be like, how might I deal with these numbers?
0: Mm-hmm. And like,
1: how much accuracy do I actually need? Like, do people care? If it's out one one day every twenty years, maybe they don't. Maybe like that's too far out of their scope of thinking, or maybe it's not enough. Um, so you want to keep the numbers? Work with the numbers. If you don't care that much about the numbers, then you can. Go, I think you should go down the precision route, just so like decimal rounding doesn't drive you insane. Uh, does Does that make sense? I feel that like I, haven't, I have not conveyed this clearly at all. No, I I, I think I'm with you. I think that makes sense. Um, I hope that kind of helps the email or I think it should Uh, because once once you
0: start changing it it's no longer an earth based thing yeah exactly yeah it's kind of defeating the point of keeping it on earth is that what you're you're getting at yeah exactly embrace earth's weirdness
1: and find a workaround for it Um, if you're specific if you care specifically about about the earth Um, but yeah so there you go Uh, that's emails done great yeah uh on to main topics on to main top. one hour in oh bill you know what? i've really i really missed the sort of like we can take your time <laughs> we can just talk there's tangents there may be the odd licorice uh misdirection going on it's really good i really like it anyway yeah on to main topic what you been up to this month bill i
0: made a map you made a map in map making I have been map making. I think I mentioned this at the end of the last episode. Oh yeah,
1: the alt alt ge- geographic history Earth thing mashup. Exactly. <laughs> That's that is
0: exactly the correct term to describe what it is. Pithy and concise. <laughs> um, yeah. So I have sent you this map. Can you can you bring it up there? Okay. Right. This is Earth. This is Earth. But with changes. But with changes. So as I said uh, last month, the last episode, uh, I just took cool stuff from history, or stuff that I thought was cool in the geography of the world in history, and jammed it all together without any regard for whether it actually happened at the same time, or whether it could possibly happen at the same time. You uh, know, I'm, there's many ways that I can think about justifying that, but I just thought, hey, these are different cool things... Wouldn't be fun to have a, a planet where all of the things that I thought were cool existed at once, even if they are kind of contradictory.
1: Oh, you're gonna have to talk to me about the contradictions here because I don't know enough about this. But but hold on, before we do that, I got a, a couple of things. Right. Okay. Uh, number one, I like your choice of projection. Well done. <laughs>
0: I think it's just a regular equidistant.
1: Yeah, but it's a, again it's not mercator. Nothing wrong with mercator, but sometimes just it becomes a default. And it's nice to see something that's not mercator. Um, I I I see mercator so infrequently. I, I'm constantly on Google Maps. Yeah. And it opens as a default uh on the world view. So I I see the big enormous Greenland all the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, other than Google Maps, I don't think I see it very often at all. That's, now I that's hang out in mappy kind of spaces, so maybe that's why. But,
1: i have mappy sort of spaces with my map friends. Um, yeah. The yeah, so uh, well done choice choice of projection. I like it. <laughs> okay. The other Thank you very thing much. was is, can I try
0: and go through this and spot the differences? Okay, one second. I think there's sixteen. One, Oh. maybe
1: seventeen actually. Okay, let's see if I can spoil the distances. Listeners, you can play along. Links in
0: the show notes. <laughs> yeah, 17. Okay. Now, okay. some of them might, like, you, you might, like, so, might be the same thing I'm counting as two or I might be counting two things as, as one or whatever. But we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Let's see if we can get in the ballpark anyways. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. So, uh, let's start with Europe. Uh, okay. The land bridge between uh, continental Europe and uh, Ireland and England. Yes. Is one. Are you counting the land bridge between like Denmark and Sweden as another one? Uh, Yes. Let's say yes. Okay.
0: Um, That's not what I have it listed at, but it's functioning the same. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, the Mediterranean,
0: non-existent. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. What do you mean? Well, yeah, but there's no Mediterranean. <laughs> the Mediterranean Sea isn't there. The basin is still there, but you can't see that on the map. Right, okay,
1: yeah, yeah. The sea is not there. Um, I'm going to include, oh, uh, what, is it the
0: Black Sea that feeds into the Mediterranean? Yeah, no, that's, that's part of the Mediterranean yeah. I was going to include yeah. That, yeah. Okay. So that's still free.
1: That's all I can see in Europe. Uh, okay, let's go over to Asia. Uh, Japan seems to be merged with the top of Russia and the Koreas. Yeah. Um there is a land bridge between Russia and the states. Mm-hmm. Um uh, loads of the island, like the Indonesian islands, some of them most of them I think, um, have been merged with like Southwest Asia. Southeast. Southeast, even, Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Um Papua New Guinea and Australia are have become one. Correct. In, in a great union. Um Australia, half of the eastern half of Australia is severed and has merged with New Zealand.
0: Nope. What? Nope. Hmm. Australia is complete. All of Australia is part of Australia. (laughs) All of Australia is part of Australia. Uh, New Zealand... Australia hasn't
1: broken up. New Zealand is a mega continent. Correct. That's crazy. Right, it's a microcontinent, but
0: or a subcontinent.
1: I mean it, yeah. that's that's not small
0: what's there. Yeah, but it's not it's not like the size of it's like maybe say Europe even, in Europe shouldn't even really be a continent. So
1: That's fair. That is fair. Um then we I'll leave that one the one, the obvious one to last because I need to talk about that. Uh let's dive back up to Asia. Okay, Sri Lanka and India are joined. Correct. The Maldives are a teardrop. <laughs> I joke. <laughs> uh, okay, Africa, Africa. Uh, so the eastern half of Africa is severed from the rest of Africa.
0: Yes, the Somalian plate has moved out into the Indian Ocean. Has moved
1: That I don't think there's anything weird about Arabia. No, not really. Uh, okay, I think that's everything there. Uh, okay, let's go up to the Americas. Okay, right. So uh, California is its own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, <laughs> the independent republic of California is truly independent, like a different <laughs> landmass. Um, then the the states is severed in is cut in twain. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's anything funky going on with Canada. I have no idea. Uh, maybe that big giant lake might be a merger of two of the Great Lakes. I don't know. Um, the islands of Candle Look. F- Fine. There's something funky going on above Iceland.
0: There is. Well spotted.
1: Oh, we need. Okay, we need to put a pin in that. We to talk, I've never seen that before. We need to talk about it. Uh, okay. And then, um, Panama, not a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a big gash running down through South America. Correct. How many have I hit? Oh, barring barring uh, Fantasyland down the bottom there.
0: You have hit. You have mentioned every single thing.
1: Hey,
0: yeah, whoop whoop. Now, do I understand any of it? Nope. <laughs> okay. Do you want to do you want to mention the obvious one?
1: So yeah, the obvious one is like just to the east, the southeast of Madagascar um, is an island, a fairly mm-hmm. massive island. Uh, this and the thing above Iceland, I want you to talk about because I have never come across any of this. Um, so do you want to start with? Um, Bill, do you remember when you were younger there is that program where it was like a polar bear and like a Jewish mouse were on an island that floated around the place. Noah's Island. Noah's Island. So do you want to talk about Noah's Island down the bottom there?
0: Um, I I was a little too old for Noah's Island. I didn't really watch it. You
1: old! Do you know what's amazing, right? In nearly every social situation, I'm always the old one, and I'm always joking about being the granddad of the group. (laughs) Uh, And then, up until this point, it occurred to me, you're older than me. I'm the young one here. This is so liberating. This is a liberating realisation.
0: Not by much, but slightly. (laughs)
1: It it counts. It's a non-zero difference. Um, Do you want to talk about Noah's uh, Island
0: there? So above Iceland. No, no, no. One below Madagascar. But also the one in the south. Okay, this is the Kerguelen Plateau.
1: The Kerguelen. Kerguelen. Kerguelen Plateau. Or possibly
0: Kerguelen. I don't know. Ker- <laughs> 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 that was adorable. Kerguelen. <laughs> okay, I'm going to look it up. I don't want to oh. be adorable. I want to be. I want to be taken seriously. Um, would you take?
1: Would, would it be okay if you were both taken seriously and were adorable?
0: Um, would you- yeah. W- yeah, you take that. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> <C-coolin>. <laughs> oh, it looks like it might just be Kergalan. Oh, that's disappointing. Uh, Kergalan, the Kergalan Islands. Let's say I don't know. Okay. Um. Uh. This. This is a, a real place. The The Kregallan Islands are in the south. Uh, in the South Seas and. What, the thing that really exists is the very southern tip of this island that you see down here. Okay. But there, it's actually part of a much larger um, uh, mass called the Kerguelen Plateau, which in reality is sunken and is below the sea level. But for the purposes of this, I just raised it up. Was it ever uh, above sea I'm level? I'm not sure. I'm oh, not okay. sure if that's known.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. And And, um, and, and you said the bit that actually exists is the southern part. Like, what is that in real life? Is that part of Antarctica?
0: It's no, it's the Canguelan Islands. Oh, they are a thing. Yes, okay. they are a real thing.
1: Okay, do you, um, want, do you want do you want to spell that for me there really quickly?
0: K E R, uh huh, G U E,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: L E N, uh
1: huh,
0: Islands. Yeah.
1: All oh, right, so they're only a very very small part of this this plateau. Yeah. Wow, okay. Oh, cool. Interesting. And then, so what's go- oh, going on above Iceland there? Is that. I, I really hope this isn't just something as boring as a volcano along the mid Atlantic Ridge may have spawned an island. Let's
0: put one there. No, no, it's an actual thing again. It's quite similar to the Kerguelen Plateau. There is an actual island um, there called uh, Jan Mayan. Okay. And that would be the north tip of the island I've added here, and it is part of, uh, I think, is it the Yanmayan Ridge? Um, hmm. And that basically is, yeah, it's, it's I, I've, again, brought it up from below the sea. Cool. The Mayan microcontinent, it's called.
1: Wow, that's really interesting.
0: Huh, yeah. cool. It's a fragment of continental crust within the ocean oceanic part of the western Eurasian plate lying northeast of Iceland. So, again, I just looked up where it was, and I... Roughly drew that into this map.
1: I find it interesting that there isn't more going on in the Atlantic. In my map, yeah. Why is that? Oh wait, hang on. Now, hold on. Is the Mid-Atlantic Ridge is pulling apart? Yeah. Oh, okay, so in the future, there may be a continent there.
0: Uh, I don't think there would be enough to make like a new continent there. You might get islands and stuff from. Oh, a major oh okay. Event. Yeah,
1: yeah. Sorry. Like, but in the future, there might be stuff there, but not in the past.
0: Uh, possibly, yeah. Actually, I'm going I'm to make a slight amendment here. Mm-hmm. Not everything is actually strictly from the past. Oh, um, oh, oh, hang on now. What's from the future then? So there are two elements here that are potentially future. And then I guess the Kugelan and Yan Mayan might be kind of hypothetical rather than either future or past. I'm not sure. But there there are two elements here from... Potential futures.
1: I mean, would the whole like Central America isn't there thing, would that be like sea level
0: rise? No, that, that, well, it could be, but that, that was the case previously as well. Okay. Um, I don't know. What are the two? So, uh, the California being separated from the mainland America is a future event. Yeah. The, the San Andreas Fault, San Andreas Rift, like it could potentially open up and drift out away. Oh, mainland,
1: okay. huh? And then, yeah. what's your the other one?
0: Uh, quite similar. The East African Rift. So the Somalian plate is projected to move away from Africa, um, in a couple hundred million years. So, huh. That's like there, Kenya and Tanzania, and down uh, like bits of uh, Mozambique and stuff, and Madagascar will move out into the and Socotra up in the in the north of of the of the plate.
1: Hmm. Very interesting. You mm-hmm. you mentioned at the start that there's like contradictions here what are yeah. the contradictions
0: well so some of these things re- require higher sea levels and some of them require lower sea levels right um, and i mean the all the stuff happening in america is based on well mostly based on stuff that happened millions of years ago where uh where you know the americas wouldn't even be in those geographic locations and like the Doggerland, which is the the European land bridge, is like on the scale of thousands, of hundreds of thousands of years ago, maybe. Maybe not even hundreds of thousands of years ago, because they found Bronze Age stuff under the North Sea from Doggerland. So, you know, tens of thousands of years ago, maybe. Last. That's
1: fair. The, the Was there anything? Why did you not move India? Am I correct in thinking that the Indian plate? Yeah, the Indian plate... Went northwards and smashed into Asia to produce the yep. Himalayas. So was that mm-hmm. just the thing? You're like, I don't want more stuff down in the ocean there.
0: No, just kind of, of it as it was.
1: Okay, cool. I
0: like. Are you going to do anything with
1: this map, or is this kind of like a fun exercise? Are you going to like? Are you going to do some currents? Map out weather. Plot biomes. Uh,
0: I I might do. Yeah, I kind of, I do kind of like the idea of of taking it you know, pretty pretty solidly and, and seriously. But I also like the idea of being loose with it so I can have, have more fun and say, it's okay, the Lake of Japan is all frozen over and not have to worry about whether that's actually plausible.
1: The Lake of Japan, that's cool. I like
0: that. Okay, C- can, I, can I go through all of these and just like name what they are? Absolutely, go for it. That's, so, okay. that, that is something I should have asked. I'll try, uh, will, will I take it the same order you did or will I go through it like from, from west to east? Entirely up to you. Okay, I'm going to take it from west to east. Let's do that. So I'm going to start over here. We've got the San Andreas Rift, as I said. California could in the future break away from the mainland of North America. Mm-hmm. Now here, the sea that we've got running down the center of North America, it was called the Western Interior Seaway. Okay. And that's from, I think the, oh, no, I can't remember what area it is. Let, let me look that up. Um, You know, I think I would have had this already. It's from the Cretaceous period. Okay. So in the Cretaceous period, America was in two parts that were called Laramidia, which is the left, the east, the western part, mm-hmm. and Appalachia, which is the eastern part.
1: The eastern part, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. Now, in North America, we have this huge lake. Yes. This is called Lake Agassiz, and it was one of the largest lakes ever, I think, and it was during the Ice Age and when it breached the the runoff ran the entire way across the continent and emptied into the pacific somewhere around washington state where the largest ever known waterfall in history would have been um and apparently its output was greater than all rivers uh, currently on earth combined no apparently so that is someone um, cool. i think i think loop here linked linked me to a description uh, of that on wikipedia And as far as I can tell, it would have been the runoff from Lake gases. Now, again, this is from, you know, something on the scale of tens or hundreds of thousands of years ago, as opposed to the many, many millions that the Western Interior Seaway existed. Mm -hmm. And like the Western Interior Seaway existed for a long time. So, you know, it wasn't just a single thing. It could have had different shapes and different extents. They may have overlapped at points, but just for the sake of being cool, I thought I would just put the lake of gases at that size which is you know a potential size for it at at one stage and the seaway at that size yeah Um, totally yeah just you know because i thought it was cool okay now we have the central american seaway which again something on the scale of hundreds of millions of years ago possibly in the cretaceous period as well actually um basically what is now central america would have been underwater hmm yeah yeah, cool. And that's not because of plates dividing or anything? That's just high sea levels, is it? Uh, It's probably to do with plates, I think. Is it? Okay, okay, cool, yeah. cool. Um, Yeah, so it's from the Mesozoic era, so between 200 and 154 million years ago. Um, And then this gulf we have reaching down south into South America is called the Pebasian Sea. Now, I can't find a lot of information about this, Wait, well, wait, fr-
1: hold, hold on! No, sorry, sorry, sorry. The the the, the previous thing you said—that's the Panama not being there. Yes. Oh, and this thing is the big indent in South America. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. The indent. It that's not plates moving away. That's flooding.
0: That's yeah. That's to do with uh, sea levels. Right. Okay. Possibly like the the way the plate lay on the mantle below. No, I'm not sure, but yeah, it's called it's called the Fabassian Sea, and it was during the uh, Holocene era. Uh, again, South America would have been divided into many land masses uh, and as it rose up or our sea levels changed or whatever that was kind of the last uh, the last bit of this okay but i like i like how it how it divides down you you couldn't get an Amazon the same as the Amazon we have with that sea there uh, and I like how you've got the kind of the Guiana shield on the east side and then the top of the i suppose it's still the Andes there on the east side. And I think that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. It looks really good.
0: Okay, so here, uh, we move uh, a bit east, we've got Jan Mayen, which we've discussed. Yeah,
1: up by up, Iceland, yeah.
0: Up by Iceland. We've got Doggerland, which is the name of the, the, the land bridge, or the, kind of the land mass, uh, connecting Great Britain and Ireland to mainland Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, and I have counted this separately, we've got a land bridge connecting Denmark, to Sweden, and the Baltic Sea is now called the Anceles Lake.
1: Oh, I, I didn't even occur to me that's a lake now. Huh? Yeah. And I'm, are you counting them separately because they happen in two different time periods?
0: Uh, no, just because the the land bridge connecting Denmark and uh, Sweden is just a, it's a slightly different thing. It's got you, you're looking at it in a different direction. It's it's all to do with sea levels and glaciers and stuff. I right. guess, but. Okay. It's cool. kind of it's two it's two phenomena, in my mind. Um. So yeah, the this was about nine thousand years ago, I think. Oh, was that it? Yeah. Huh.
1: That's not that long ago. Wow.
0: Well, as I said, Doggerland was on the scale of thousands of years ago. Yeah, that's cause, fair. Yeah, because they found Bronze Age stuff and and the Dogger Bank. Uh, Doggerland was flooded around six and a half thousand BC. So hmm. yeah, about eight and a half thousand years ago. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, the, anyway, the Baltic is called the Ancylus Lake. Uh, we move down, we've got the dry Mediterranean basin. Now, this is, again, this is a, on the scale of millions of years ago, I think. Uh, but it's it's believed that it was uh, flooded, and then as sea levels and stuff changed, it became drained. Almost entirely, that there would have just been a few very low hypersaline lakes in it.
1: it is the The Mediterranean is closing, though, at the moment, isn't it, as well? I'm not sure. I I seem to think that Africa is is closing in on the Mediterranean it's now. It's moving north. Yeah. Right. I think this is also a future event as well. That it'll it'll seal up. Um yeah, well
0: Africa isn't any further north than this. It's still like roughly where it is.
1: Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is that like I think it's gonna return to that state uh somewhat. In the future as yeah. well, which
0: I think is quite interesting. And also, then Europe could be like the Himalayas because of the plate crashing into it. In
1: exactly, the, yeah, in the and mountains. And there, I think people were saying that the Mediterranean would just be one giant hypersalinated lake. Cool. Uh, which is pretty cool. I think I could be getting mm. that wrong. I don't know. I'll correct me if if needs be. Um, but yeah, yeah. So the Mediterranean closing up. Yep.
0: And as a result, the Black Lake will, or the Black Sea will be uh, dry as well, or probably something similar, maybe some very low mm-hmm. hypersaline. Um, we've got the East African Rift. We've got the Cagrelin Plateau. Uh, now, connecting India and Sri Lanka, we have Ramasetu, also known as Adam's Bridge. And that may have existed up until medieval or like early modern, maybe Renaissance times.
1: Cool. Really?
0: Yeah. Yeah, huh. uh, that it's it's thought that there was some kind of land bridge there, and that you could even walk across it until maybe the fifteen hundreds. I think.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. Huh. Uh, which I was uh, very very surprised by. Uh, let's see, it's something about there's quite a lot about this on Wikipedia. Uh, Temple records seem to say that Adams Bridge was completely above sea level until it broke in a cyclone in
1: 1480. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That's amazing. Because
0: mm-hmm. you think uh, of these things as being so far in the past,
1: but you're right up into the present day. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh,
0: some of the area, uh, there's little sandbanks that are only a meter to 10 meters below sea level. So it's quite difficult to actually navigate through that huh. sea, apparently.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. Pretty cool.
0: That's pretty cool. Um, We've got the Sunda Shelf is what's, what the area of Southeast Asia here is called. Um, so like you know, the continental shelf that that I have for Doggerland, mm-hmm. uh, if the sea levels were lower, then all of these lands would be connected.
1: And so, and specifically though, it wouldn't connect those small islands you have next uh, Besides Yes, it. correct. Okay, that's interesting. Correct.
0: Hmm. And actually, there should be a few uh, lakes in there as well. There's a a lake kind of see where the Philippines is. Yeah. See see the the branch going west from the philippines there should be a large lake there and there should be a large lake uh, kind of further west again kind of by the the indian ocean cool very cool um, ba- based on the depth of the sea there uh, the saddle shelf is the name for the shelf uh, connecting papua new guinea and uh, australia mm-hmm. and if you look uh, tasmania has also been has connected also to the been as connected well. yeah, yeah 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 okay We've got the Lake of Japan. So Japan, when sea levels were lower, would have been connected both to Sakhalin in the north, which is now part of Russia, Russia, yeah, and to the Koreas. Mm-hmm. We've got the Bering Land Bridge, yeah, which is that's, connecting.
1: That's yeah. a really that's a really famous one. Yeah,
0: I think most most people would like because
1: I don't know half of these, but that one, and I think probably Doggerland, most people would know.
0: Yeah uh so that's obviously connecting uh modern day alaska and uh the the eastern end of asia and siberia and finally we've got Zeelandia, which is like the kerguelen plateau and yanmain an actual geological formation that is just way below sea level um, and it's massive and it was only, discovered, only discovered quite recently
1: that's crazy and it's so yeah. big
0: yeah that's incredible huh there you go and bits of the northern tip there are actual islands currently Sorry, loud noises, hold on. It's loud noises, table
1: noise.: Lots of table noise. Oh, there I've, de- I've decloded. That's much better. Um, the that's yeah, that what are you doing?: I'm clicking a lighter. <laughs> <laughs> um, you de- the most surprising of all of them is uh, Zealand, Did you say Zealand? Zealandia. Zealandia. yeah, that's that's crazy. I had no idea. no idea. Mm. Um, come here, there's no uh, Antarctica.
0: deliberate. It's not that Antarctica isn't there. It's just it's a, it's an ache to to draw it in at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: but you know, if there's anything fun going on with Antarctica in terms um, of
0: its history, it's it's thought that it may be three separate land masses. Like if if the ice were to melt, that we would we would see like three large islands rather than a, a single unified continent.
1: Oh, that's cool. I think mm. too often in fantasy world building, people end up copying Antarctica. And just having the big massive shelf at the bottom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it'd be cool to have, yeah, separate, separate islands. That'd be really cool. Um, yeah,
0: although yeah. they would still be kind of mostly covered by ice. Probably.
1: Yeah, but just from, just from a, like, a aesthetic point of view, looking at a map and being like, oh, yeah, the bottom isn't all this one big blob. It's, like, many blobs. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it looks quite otherworldly, I think. Um, Yeah, it's cool. I like. You know what? The map looks really pretty. Oh, cheers. You know? Like, yeah. Because usually, usually, when people do these like projections of what things would look like. Um, they tend to look really awful because you know we don't actually know the exact shape of these things, so they tend to just be these blobs. Um, yeah. Everywhere, but I think you've done a good job making this kind of look
0: interesting and like. Thank you. Believable and yeah, it's cool. Mm. It's really good. It's really cool. Now, obviously, there, there's some stuff that I have left out. Like if if you know these masses were to be higher there probably would be more islands that we don't have, like off the coast of them and stuff. Um, like, there would probably be other islands in Southeast Asia and you know, kind of the region of Zealandia um, and maybe around mm. Doggerland. So if that's like even further below sea level, it might just be above sea level, but not connected to the mainland and so on.
1: And, and I mean,
0: um, you've, you've obviously forgotten Atlantis. Well, I actually, I actually deliberately did not include Atlantis because I thought that would be an interesting mystery for the readers or, or for the viewers. Really? What? No. Really? No. Oh, okay, I was
1: like, well, <laughs> you said that so seriously. I was like, what? <laughs> well, like, Are people, are people like, is, do, do, do people... Okay, here's an idea. Here's the thing, right? Do, do people... Uh, have people centered in a location for Atlantis? Like, people who believe in that, do they, are they like, yes, it, it's buried beneath the, the Pacific Ocean? Yes. Uh, and is yes to the Pacific Ocean or yes to the centering in on the location?
0: Yes to the centering in on the location.
1: Okay, so where is the location?
0: Do you know? It depends on, like, every, every <laughs> believer is a different, is a different uh, has a different theory about it. <laughs> so, so no one's centred in a location? Look, loads of people have centred in a location. They just haven't all centred in on the same location. Huh, okay.
1: Because I always um, assumed that
0: people thought it was in the Atlantic. Because of the name.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. Just somewhere in yeah. the Atlantic. Um, hmm. But I mean, like it's
0: it's been used like the concept of Atlantis has been used in so many different ways and by so many different writers. Like you know, and some of them taking it seriously and some of them treating it entirely allegorically. And it's you
1: know, I'd assume that concept also creeps up in other cultures as well. Like it's quite a compelling thing. Like you know, um, of
0: a lost a a lost land beneath the sea.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I would very, imagine very I would imagine that that is not specific to one culture. Like I think every culture would nearly nearly
0: have their own Atlantis. And of course, it has happened lots of times. So. Yeah, yeah. Like, like as I said, like there was Bronze Age people in Doggerland, and there's lost cities off the coast of Japan and stuff.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. That's for any any uh, final points? Are we at the end um, here? I, d- I don't know.
0: Uh... Well, I, I also wanted to say obviously I haven't included the Caribbean, and that wasn't out of like just, like, total neglect. It's just I need to think about what would be happening there. Um, So I haven't, like, I haven't, like, deliberately uh, or unconsciously just left it out. It's just I haven't made any decisions about what's going on there, so I haven't included it on this version of the map. But, you know, as I said, with islands and things, I need to have a think about what's what's going on there.
1: Does that imply that you've thought about what's going on above Canada?
0: Uh, No, it's just it was kind of easier to, to leave them there in that way. Okay. Um. Okay. Yeah, pr- pretty much.
1: Yeah, cool. Personally, that looks. You know,
0: I've made a significant. You know, the, the north west of Canada, northeast of Canada, is is mostly fine. Like the Hudson Hudson Bay and everything is still there, and the Northwest Passage and all is there. Um, but when I've like gotten rid of the entirety of Central America, I would kind of need to. I want to actually kind of take that seriously and think about how that would affect the 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 Caribbean and the West Indies and stuff.
1: Yeah, cool. Looks great,
0: man. Thank you.
1: Thoroughly enjoyed. Any any closing remarks?
0: Um, no, not really. I'm I'm pretty happy with this. I'm pretty happy with this, and um, I may revisit it a bit more. Uh, I have like certain ideas for for like settings and, and stories and stuff that I could I could do with this, uh, but I haven't made any real decisions about it yet.
1: Cool. Uh, let us know in the future. Um, Certainly will bring it up as a main topic sometime. I as cool. always more than interested in hearing this cool Um.
0: cool right will we crack on let's let's crack on and I'm, I'm curious to hear what you have done for this week
1: Uh, read even Um, buoyed by the support of Artifexia and uh, their positive remarks in my writing I was like I'm going to write some more this this month um, and by this month I meant I wrote this at like 2 a.m. last night Um. <laughs> So, yeah. The, uh, okay, so I links are in the show notes, this piece of prose. Um, Do you want to give an executive summary? Have you read this, or do you want me to give the executive summary? I, ha- I have not read it. Will I do so right now? Yeah, give it a read, and then maybe, yeah, give us the layman's summary, who isn't involved in the writing of it.
0: What you've described here is returning to the setting of Takar, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. And it's describing how some of the the substance that was previously known as X or that is required to make X is uh retrieved. Mm-hmm. Where where it comes from for the rebels. Um so it's it's a, a small town kind of in the middle of nowhere but by an, a volcano and the volcano is a, is the source of this uh substance. Which you have called Nacolite,
1: Nacolite, yeah.
0: And uh, you've basically described the the region, and the town, and the the mining, and a little bit of the society surrounding it.
1: Yeah, that's effectively it. What what I've tried to do is take the cool things I have experienced over the summer and use them to write a bit of prose. Yes. So the middle of nowhere thing is a reference to the fact that I was in, and I apologize to all people from Colorado and Wyoming, but I was in Colorado <laughs> and Wyoming. And it's particularly in Wyoming where it's just kind of like, it's it not necessarily like dust plains, but you know, it's sort of like, Savannah is the best word I can have. I don't know what, what it actually is. That's right. Step. Step, Yeah. Step is probably a good word that it's just like flat forever. The same terrain, just constantly hot, constantly dry, that sort of thing. And then the the volcano is the volcano in um, in Indonesia. Um, and then some of the societal things are based on what I saw of daily Indonesian life. So I tried to mash everything together and make a, yeah. a piece of prose, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, anyone who's listening and who listened to the last episode will see the real clear uh, connection between... What you said about going to the Ijen volcano and what you've written here?
1: Yeah, effectively, and I don't, you know, I feel bad admitting this. I kind of sort of copy pasted Wikipedia for that bit, uh, <laughs> and then just changed some of the figures because I was like, I just really want to just describe what happened in Indonesia, and then like Wikipedia does a good job, so I'll just copy paste and you know that sort of thing. Um, great but, artists steal. Great, ar- uh, what is it? Uh, plagiarism is the greatest form of flattery. Yeah. Please don't plagiarize my stuff. Thank you, internet. I appreciate it. Um, Too late now the uh yeah and then uh, even the naming is um based on where i was Olohuato, the name of the volcano is mm-hmm. based on uluwatu which is a epic temple in indonesia cool and then sanoa is based on sanor which is a district in indonesia um uh, if i can just keep talking stop me you know I just want no work away work away i want to tell you all the things uh nakalite comes is a mashup of the greek word for island and i believe statue um okay island is nesos oh god it's been so long since i looked this up so i hope i'm right and then i think statue is like agalma. and so i switched out all the words that oh all the sounds that oa doesn't have and so nesos became nasos and agalma became a and then I mashed them together, and it was like naka. And then it makes it sound like a element. So this is the idea that like the element X, previously known as X, is uh, hinting at like it's an island of stability element. Do Do you know what the island of stability oh, is? Oh, that's
0: clever.
1: Oh really? You clever fellow. Oh, I thought that was real low hanging fruit. <laughs> Oh, that's clever. You oh, clever follow you. Cool. Very good. Uh, but I would like to refer to this element, not as an acolyte, as the locals do, of caca. Um, <laughs> which I think is a lot more kind of street. You know, it's like, you got, caca. Poo. You got caca, man. You got some cac. Um, you know,
0: that it? means poo.
1: Caca. Yeah. Yeah, but it's sure it's also the name of a footballer, like words of meaning in different things, you know? Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, what is it? Oh, the funniest thing ever uh, with, you know, cross-linguistic uh, misunderstanding is I believe in Romanian, poo, like P-O-O, um, means to kiss. Mm-hmm. So at the end of very many, many Romanian uh, conversations, you just hear like poo-poo, poo-poo, and it's like, this is weird, what's going on here? <laughs> so that doesn't bother me that caca sounds like, uh, like excrement.
0: It's not. It's not Do problem. you want to hear another funny one? Yeah, go for it. So uh, I'm a big I'm a big fan of dogs. You are. You definitely are. And uh, dog memes and stuff. there's a lot, lot of you know, like like kind of dog sort of areas of of the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you know, like the the sort of dog meme English that that people have started using in the last couple of years. Like Doge English. No, not like Doge, but like doing me a frighten. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that kind of language. Um. So one of the terms that's used in those sort of spaces, apparently, is rare puppers. Rare puppers. So, like, rare, just like the normal English word, rare, and puppers, as in puppies or dogs. So people are always talking about, getting like, looking for rare puppers, and, like, you know, it's exciting to see, like, a good picture of a dog. It's a rare pupper. Apparently, I've seen this online, in, I believe it's Norwegian, puppers means breasts. It's, it's like boobs. It's like a slang word for breasts. And rare means strange. So when, when, they, say, when they see rare puppers written down, it's like rara puppers, which means weird boobs. Ha. Huh. <laughs> Go <Goal> language.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so again, <laughs> no one should change the meme and I'm not changing caca. Um, that's in- well, anyways, what language is this poo for?
0: It's in loads of languages. It's it's like slang in loads of
1: languages. Like English included? Yeah. Never heard that before. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Learn something new every day. Um, will not be changed. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I could change it to Kiki, but then I ne- I want the Naka and then like Kak and Kaka and yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, anyhow. So there you go. That's a bit of the naming and a bit of the inspiration. Is there anything in this that you uh, find questionable or is there anything that you think I should revisit?
0: I was at first I was a bit curious or suspicious about it, like being called elemental nacolite. Was it wasn't, like actually literally an element? We've explained that really neatly with the the island of stability thing. Okay, cool. Um, so if they if they make a sizable wage, and they have you know the miners and their families have lavish lifestyles, uh. How is that possible in somewhere that's so distant and in the middle of nowhere? Like, how how do they, like, get access to luxury items and stuff if it's this, you know, like, tiny town on the, like, away from the edge of civilization?
1: Right, but remember, civilization will come to them to purchase the Nacolite. Like, rebel traders come there to purchase it. And with them, they may bring goods. So you can purchase it off them. And also, it's kind of like, it's a direct sort of um, thing on Indonesia. It's like the place at Ijin Volcano, as far as I'm aware, again, correct me if I'm wrong. It's kind of this small town, kind of, sort of, in the middle of nowhere. Um, And I think you have to get a ferry to the nearest sort of big place. But the same thing occurs there. It's like the miners are relative to the rest of the income of the town. Are right. fairly well off, so I didn't even question it. I just kind of thought it happens in Indonesia. Um, okay,
0: I have misread this. Oh, okay. okay. What? Well, what? Because have you mis- I was, I was, because uh, I, cause it's relative to the average to So it's to the average person in the town. Oh yeah, like like this, as opposed to like the average like to carry in in general.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, this would be considered way, 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 way below the poverty line in the capital, say, where the main... Gotcha. ...the main gotcha. steampunk plot would happen. Like, they're, they're, by all accounts, impoverished, but relatively, right. they do fairly okay.
0: Cool. Um, That's, that's fine. Uh, I wonder, is is 2,000 people, Uh, like, what, what are you basing the number of 2,000 people on? Literally pick the number. Upon reading it, like, five minutes ago when
1: you were rereading, I was kind of like, that's very small, isn't it? I should have Possibly. more. I feel like we should have more.
0: Yeah, because I'm always like thinking about stuff like, you know, could you have... Would, would a thing, that size function to, you know, get enough... Have enough of a workforce to go to the, the mines, but still, you know, have food and have families and like, including children and stuff.
1: Yeah, um, see... I'm not, I'm not
0: saying it isn't that. It seems a little small to me at first glance. It may not be, but...
1: Well, I mean, that's that's the kind of
0: thing that I, that I would, I would, um, seeking personally, I'm telling you to do this, but that's the kind of thing that I would kind of think a lot about. Well, here, if I phrase it like this, right, um, in Igen,
1: uh, the mining community is about 200 people. Okay. So would it be unrealistic to say that one in 10 people in this town is dedicated to mining Nacolite?
0: I don't know. Mm. see when I phrase it when I say and I don't know how much you, you how much knacklight is needed for what the rebels are 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 using it for like how much the of the source is required and you know, the, kind of the the economics and the the supply chains involved oh there's something to write for next month
1: <laughs> oh interesting um,
0: Yeah yeah Like when I say One in ten
1: I, I find it better Than just two thousand But I think I'm, I'm kind of with you I think it needs To be a little bit more And I suppose If you make it more It kind of Brings across More this idea That this is like This Like overpopulated Like shantytown You yeah. know As opposed to like You know Everyone has like Their own little plot of land And there's lots of space And things like that Yeah Maybe boosting up The population Might be an idea um, but again, that was just, like, literally, I just want a number there. I just wanted to be like, oh, what's small? um, uh, 2000? Yeah, cool, let's do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that needs a little bit more introspection. Um, Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, no, this is really good. Uh, secrecy is of the utmost importance. That's cool. So, that you know, they don't have any advanced technology because it can be picked up by surveillance. But the, the heat of the volcano uh, tends to mask the... the signatures of the miners themselves. So yeah, on that, this is kind of the point I was kind of trying to get at. If, if we
1: imagine Takar is this like a futuristic steampunk setting, um, but at the same, like that would be like in like the capital and like the heavily populated areas. But at the same time, there is this sort of like old worldy thing going on. And you think the, the sort of hand waving of being like no technology and heat of the volcano, trap signatures is enough to be like, yeah, that could happen, even though there's like spaceships and, and satellites and, you know, advanced tracking things or whatever. Do I
0: think that's, that makes sense?
1: Yeah. Does that feel realistic?
0: Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, is the whole thing, uh, like the, the whole area is hot enough to, to mask human body temperature at all times? seems seems a little a little bizarre, but maybe there's paths they follow. There's paths of like hot, hot water from springs on the mountainside oh. that they follow to evade detection.
1: Oh, that's that's really good because then you can oh that's brilliant. You can make like um, the descent, the ascent, even be even more arduous because they have to take a, 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 an extremely long route um, to mm. try and hit all of these areas as opposed to like as the crows flies up the mountain. That's really cool.
0: Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe it, it it isn't necessary, but it would it would seem like a little curious to me to for for the entire area to be as hot as a person. But it's enough to suspend disbelief. Uh, possibly, yeah.
1: Possibly. Okay. Cool. It'd be interesting. Just, you know, it, it could ev-
0: it could even be like the 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 hot gases in is like the hot gases of smoke and stuff in the air make uh, thermal surveillance unreliable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And it, yeah, and it's not like like you know the entire town is is hidden wi- uh, from yeah. satellites. It, like they know there's a town there. They just don't suspect that there's anything nefarious going on because yeah. the volcano appears like a big
0: giant red splurge on the map. You know, I would suspect you can't you can't even use thermal imaging like that from space. To be honest, oh, that's interesting. I don't. Yeah, I've no you probably um, couldn't because like the the there's so many like different bands of temperature and stuff in the atmosphere.
1: Yeah, but so, so then the idea of satellites being able to pick up EM signatures is that
0: EM signatures from technology and stuff maybe because you know the things like broadcast radio waves and, and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um but I'd imagine thermal imaging would would be out. I don't know for sure, but I'd imagine so.
1: Okay, that's cool. If if that is the case, subreddit let me know. Um, I can get rid of that extra little disclaimer and just be like, no technology, it hides us. Um, but they could still
0: have, they could still have, uh, say like drones or like very high altitude planes that would have thermal imaging. So then maybe if, for that case, they still use the, the hot springs as a path.
1: Now I'm imagining like the main continent on Takar to be akin to a sort of like Pangea style thing. Okay. And so, what I've read again, I could be entirely wrong because I haven't really looked into it, is that if you have a big, massive landmass, um, conditions become increasingly more hostile as you enter the interior.
0: Yeah. Um. So that this, makes
1: sense. yeah. So this town is kind of situated in the interior, and my thought is that the government is too busy. Like, with space trade and, like, you know, doing all the stuff in capital cities and all the big urban areas to bother flying all of this stuff all over some little place. Like, it's kind of like the kind of, like, you know, the NSA sends a whole load of drones over some random small town in Wyoming for reasons. Like, do you know what I mean? There's no reason to do so.
0: so... You're imagining that the government doesn't know that this is where the, the rebel supply of black light is coming from.
1: Exactly, because they know that there's a town, but there's nothing nefarious go, from the outside going on there, so there's no reason mm. to send drones ever. So the only problem uh, I would see is that satellites will pick up stuff, because they are scanning everything all the time. Um,
0: but I Would, would imagine would be there's... curious that they know there's a town there, but that there's no uh, technology being used there? Or is it only on the mountain you're not allowed to use the technology?
1: No, it's it's nowhere, but like, again, I would imagine the hand-wavy thing there would be like, this town is so poor they can't afford it. Mm. You know, it's kind of like, oh, this is a slum town, who cares what's going on there, you know? And maybe, maybe not no technology, like maybe they have m- like earth standard modern technology, but they don't have like, I don't know, like their equivalent of lightsabers or whatever. Yeah, they don't have like laser smartphones. Exactly, laser smartphones. Yeah, um, the logical next step. So maybe they are, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, maybe they have technology, but just are way, 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 way behind what is standard mm-hmm. in this futuristic, steampunky sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Um, um I'm going to be real kind of deep nerdy about this for a second. Go for it. Uh, like th- there's there will be so much to to point, um. Them towards this location in terms of because they'd be they'd presumably be analysing the movements of of rebel suspects and and, you know, and their supply chains and and communications and stuff that there would be a lot more ways to figure out that this is where it is coming from mm-hmm. other than direct surveillance.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, like like signals intelligence and stuff is such, is such a big element of things that you can find out so much from. Fair, that's fair. Yeah, yeah I mean, but... that, that's, that's it's 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 a small point. Um. You know, and maybe they, you know, there's a lot of reasons that they could, could know about it, but not be intervening yet. And that doesn't affect necessarily the behavior of the people there.
1: Yeah, another thing I had in mind was that they just, they know about it, but they couldn't really care because maybe uh, the, the idea I had was that uh, the rebels' interference with space trade um, is a bigger deal. Like, the, the, the volcano doesn't actually give that much nacolite. Like, it's it's okay. important, but it's not, like, the main source of, of Nacolite, and the main source is, like, uh, the government will mine that big, giant gas uh, planet, and mm-hmm. the rebels will, like, bomb their freighters, and that's, like, the biggest deal for them. Um, mm-hmm. Something like that. That feels like, a little bit more flimsy, but I don't know. But that, that's, that's interesting. That's something I should look at, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I want it to be kind of solid, at least solid to the point that you can dispend this, this belief. Because even if it yeah. is nitpicky, you don't want people being like, actually, wait, that makes no sense.
0: <laughs> mm. You know? I like this I like this bit at the end about the, the small uh, offering basket of woven devil grass. That's obviously based on what you, you described from Bali. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, cool.
1: And also a bit of a Stephen King reference there. You, you can't have her, her, her patrolling the, the, the old devil grass every now and then. Um, uh, I don't know what that is. The, from The Gunslinger.
0: That's been a long time since I read The Gunslinger. Okay, Devil Grass is like the drug. In... Apparently the movie is terrible.
1: I hear the movie's meant to be terrible. It was fraught with uh, troubles uh, making it. Um, mm.
0: I'm sorry, well, no, it, had, it had a really good cast.
1: Yeah, I think part of the problem though is that they crammed way too much in. Um, yeah. Because well, I watched the trailer for it or something. And I was like, wait a minute none of this is in The Gunslinger. And it's like, mm. oh crap, have they taken like some of the obnoxiously long like books later on and tried to condense it into one movie? Um, I think that might be a um, a problem with it. Because when, when I first heard about it, I was like, I don't think The Gunslinger will make a very good movie. Just that book. Oh, I think it'll make a great movie. No, it feels like though, like the ending of it, there doesn't feel like there's a cinematic kind of climax to it. It feels very much like it's part of a larger thing. Right. Um, and I don't think there was any word of them doing like a trilogy of, of gunslinger
0: movies. So I oh, thought. That's, that was the impression I got. Oh, was it? A series of it, yeah. Okay, that, that's fair.
1: That's fair. If that was the case, then yeah, fine, go for it. But I thought if they're going to make one self contained movie, if they were to finish up where the gunslinger finish up, it's kind of a bit of a sort of letdown in terms of a movie going experience. Y- you um... know what made
0: me suspicious about it? Hmm. What, Bill? Um, I saw one of the trailers. Mm. and in the trailer it's like a, a bit of an action sequence or whatever and idris elba as the gun singer and i i love idris like i yeah. love idris elba yeah. I think he's so cool yep uh, but there was a bit where he he was doing he was like having a gunfight and he like threw a, like a fully loaded like speed reloader with like six bullets into it into the air and he with, with his left hand and he brought his right hand around with the like the chamber of the revolver out and he caught the speed loader in the, like, chamber and flicked it back into the gun, like, in midair with the gun. He caught it, like, he caught it, like, in the, in the chamber. And it just, I just thought that was utterly ridiculous. And no, it was not the impression of the kind of what I thought the gunfighting in the series was like. I thought it was like, you know, he's a really good shot, but not that he's a ninja. No. Wizard. Oh, I, I totally disagree. I thought he was a ninja. But like not, not, thats that's just silly. Like that's just really silly. Like throwing the thing in midair and catching it in the gun as you fire, as you as you fight. Like I just thought that was. Stupid.
1: Yeah, but the impression I got now again, I've only ever read, read the the first book, but the, the impression I got was yeah. that like they were like Jedi's, but with but for guns. Like they ha- were like naturally gifted and trained from an early age to do like feats that were just. Uh, beyond the scope of any normal yeah. human being.
0: Like, like, yeah, like, with, like, actually shooting things, but it's, I don't know, that just looked really stupid to me.
1: Hmm, I'm okay with that. That's not... I can see why you'd, you'd think it'd be really stupid, but it, uh, that doesn't bother me too much. Because um, I think if you're going to do, like, the, the, that sort of crazy, like, super-powered sort of thing, that that's, that's fine if it's done in an action sequence for, like, kind of... Um, dramatic effect but if you do like a uh, attack of the clone sort of like just doing loads of crazy Jedi stuff not necessarily in the battle scene just for the sake of doing Jedi stuff mm-hmm. uh, then that's a bit jarring but if it's like a little little short thing in a battle sequence you're kind of like this guy's cool um, mm. but again I totally see your point totally see your point I'm gonna watch the movie I'm gonna see what it's like um I will report back um but yeah, so anyhow, there you go. There's my bit of writing. Check it out yeah, in the show notes. I really notes. like this. Yeah, thank you. I don't think it's as kind of um, punchy as the last one. The last one had a kind of clear beginning, middle, and end. This one kind of just like yeah l- lays out the things and then stops when the things have all been covered.
0: <laughs> um, and just to pick up something you said a while ago, I really like the idea of the, the cyberpunk world with all the high tech having this kind of stuff on the outside of it. Yeah. I think it's really effective. It really it really fills out the setting for me, and I mean, you know, so much of of the original cyberpunk is so kind of like it's 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 about a lot of this like the alienation of technology, and a lot of it can be quite anti capitalist and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this reinforces that in in my mind, and it's it's important to have the contrast there that you know all of this. Uh, sorry, I'm going to get really lefty for a second. All of this um, technology and power. And like advanced stuff that exists is at the at like the cost of human suffering of these kind of people.
1: Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Definitely. And then even just on a on a simpler sort of level, it's like I f- I find it really annoying when futuristic settings are just painted as all being like tech havens. When it's kind of like we live in a technology, a technologically advanced world, but not everyone has a smartphone. Like yeah. it, it varies, and I kind of I hate it when it's just this ubiquitous. Everyone has the same level of tech everywhere mm. because it's the future.
0: Um, I like it in Star Trek because that's kind of the gist of it: is that they they've solved so many of those problems, and Earth is a really great place now because they've they have this kind of utopian society right it's it's done quite well there i think but also going back to this
1: idea of like trek is a a sea voyage set in space you can think of earth then as just being a single island and then the rest of the planets they visit they bring the diversity and we think of the universe as just being the world yeah you know Um, Whereas if they went to every single planet and every single planet is as technologically advanced as the rest because future, that would be so boring. Like you need to have like places that are really advanced, places that are not so advanced, places that are decidedly less advanced for whatever reasons. And that's just colorful, I think. Yeah. Um, There you go. Uh, So yeah, the miners of Olohuato. um, Go read it in the show notes and let me know what you think. Keep the criticisms and comments coming. It's really cool. Like it gets me really pumped to write stuff. Um, and y'all are making me a slightly better writer. <laughs> okay, uh, have we got anything else to cover in the main part? And or should we head into the green room?
0: Um, I thought that there was another thing there, but again, hmm. I've forgotten what it was. So let's move on. <laughs> As always, it can be follow up for next time. Exactly. So uh, welcome to the green room, Edgar. Hey, the green room. It's good to be back. Uh, I have two uh, small things I, I want to bring up. Okay, cool. Um, I have recently watched quite a lot of a TV show called oh. The Expanse. As have I. Oh, you've watched it recently.
1: Uh, I have. I have thoughts about it. I haven't watched.
0: I've maybe watched like six episodes. Okay, I I just finished season one. I think I'm an episode into season two.
1: Okay, I I I'll have, uh, I have thoughts at the end of that, but go go okay. for it. Tell me your thing. <laughs>
0: Um, it took me a couple episodes to get into. I didn't like it for the first two, which I watched a, a few months ago. And then I decided, ah, sure, I'll, I'll give it another shot. And I watched it there uh, a few days ago, about a week ago. And I really enjoyed it. And I caught up real quick to where I am now. Um, but it's quite interesting from a conlanging point of view. Mm, how so? Uh, well, they have created... It's based-, it's based on a series of books. And for anyone who doesn't know, the setting is a sort of medium future solar system. You know, a few hundred years away, um, where Earth has begun to, where humans rather have begun to colonise solar system and the other planets and things, and there's this kind of a distinct class of people called the Belters, who are those who don't live on either Earth or Mars, but live in the asteroid belt and further afield. Yeah, and they have a sort of uh, a language among themselves, which is reasonably clearly derived from English, but isn't quite mutually intelligible with English. Mm-hmm. And this was in the original novels, but it's been developed quite heavily for the TV show. And I'm re- I'm really interested in it. It it sounds at first, or uh, to me, it sounded at first like someone with a South African accent trying to imitate Jamaican English, or possibly trying to imitate West African pigeon.
1: Yeah, I I always kind of thought of it as like a South African patois.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I've actually i've i've read a few things about the guy, the linguist who's developing it, and he's in, incorporated loads of different uh, elements. And he's talking about how that's a real intrinsic part of the world. building. like, if he includes a Zulu word, that means that there are people who speak Zulu in the belt.
1: Oh, that's fascinating. I yeah. thought it was uh, bordering on just gobbledygook, but I didn't realise they have someone in there actually working at that. That changes things I need to go look this up and read about it this yeah. sounds really
0: fascinating it's it's really interesting um and it, th- there's quite there's quite a lot to it and they work he works quite closely with the directors and the actors and with the voice coaches the, he works with an accent coach um and the actors work with the accent coach to to kind of get it right um he, he and... isn't sorry No, he isn't the guy who did avatar
1: or the guy who did Dothraki. they're two separate dudes as far as I know yeah I, th- I think this is this
0: is another guy. okay a third guy Hmm. um and he he, so he's given the scripts with like what the belters are meant to say when they're speaking because like most of them speak kind of a standard uh you know recognizable english as well but for bits that are meant to be in belter speak uh he comes up with a few versions like one that's very very divergent one that's kind of medium and one that's um, much more intelligible and then they decide together which of the three versions to use for shooting and stuff. Um, huh. And he's quite active on Twitter. And if you send him requests, apparently he will take he will go off and think about it and translate it into Belter for you. Get out. Which he's I've seen this Twitter and he's done that a few times. Yeah.
1: Oh here links in the show notes, people.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and also it's as I said, it's just it's it's a pretty cool show. Um, as I said, I'm about. Um, at the start of season two and it took me a little while to get into it but I I really I'm enjoying it so far
1: yeah can I give you my thoughts on it please do this has Edgar written all over
0: it right it certainly does
1: like there, everything about this should be a thing I really enjoy but I just I can't get into it it's been these six seven episodes whatever and every time I go to watch one I'm kind of like I'm forcing myself to keep going and I can't even pinpoint why. It's like it's produced really well. The acting's really good. The world is interesting. The whole conlanging thing was interesting and now it's become even more interesting. But there's just, Mm. maybe it's a pacing thing. I don't know what it is, but there's something about that show that I'm not getting hooked. Mm. Um, And yeah, yeah. I just literally, I've, I don't know. I'm going to keep going because everyone has talked about how great this is and I want to experience it just, you know, to say I have, um, Mm -hmm. I hope something happens where I become really into it. Um, but it's just, it's just been meh. Like I'm not even angry about it. Like I'm not even like, Oh, I wasted so much time with the expanse. I'm just kind of like, I have no feelings. That's it. It's really strange. Really strange.
0: I really like the old politician lady. The old
1: politician, the Indian lady. Yeah. Indian, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's cool as hell. She is. But again, you see, I can't, I I don't know, I can't muster anything. But you don't care. (laughs) Yeah, I just, yeah, I just don't care. Like, I I appreciate how she's cool. Like, she seems to be this kind of like a down-to-earth, kind woman. And then also, you know, tortures people. And Like,
0: utterly without Ruth.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And then, like, is a real, like, rootless Wheeler dealer, and it's like, it's she's a complex character. She's, she's by all accounts, interesting, but it's just, I don't know what it is. I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I, once I finish it, I'll come back to you with my thoughts. Um, cool. But yeah, I don't know what it is. But, but there you go, The Expanse. Everyone should go watch it, because I think this is just maybe an Edgar thing. Um, It is objectively really good. Um, I'm just weird, I suppose, is the take home here. Um, yeah, and you have another thing you want to bring up?
0: Yeah, uh, so you'll be familiar, um, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are familiar, that I'm a fan of a game called Pathfinder. Uh, yes. Uh, which is, uh, essentially, it's a version of the D&D uh, third edition rule set made by a group called Paizo, or Paizo. Mm. I think it's Paizo. Um And they have, in the last month, uh, or maybe a little over, released a new game called Starfinder. Oh, it sounds good. (laughs) Which is essentially a science fantasy role-playing game. Ooh. Yeah, based, uh, you know, pretty similar uh, in a lot of ways to Pathfinder. And so if anyone's familiar with, like, uh, 3rd edition D&D or any of the kind of D20-based systems, they'll get the gist of it pretty quickly. A couple of interesting things to it. Couple of interesting changes, streamlined in a lot of ways, um, and set in the distant future of the kind of base Pathfinder setting. Um, and yeah, it's 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 quite cool. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I've I've uh, I got the the rule book pretty much the day it came out, and I've been following a couple of different uh, groups online and stuff, and uh, an actual play podcast of of the game which i'll link in the show what's called called cosmic crit uh and yeah it's it's a lot of fun i think they've done something really interesting here it's it's broken a load of rpg sales records they sold out at gen con and they've broken all of their their personal uh sales records first edition is already completely gone um, huh. like the, the first printing of the rulebook is already completely gone and there's been a, a lot of buzz about it
1: Okay, so I have several points here, right? Mm-hmm. Number one, um, the are you aware of GURPS? Yes. Okay, so GURPS is like, uh, very often it's kind of good fodder for my videos because mm-hmm. it gives you like the world building side of things as well. Yeah. Um, like it goes through formulate and how to construct that. Th- does this have some of
0: that? Should I try and get this uh, rulebook? Will this feed into my videos? uh in in terms of like giving you equations and things like GURPS does. It
1: yes, but not limited to that. As in would this have useful information that should be uh dispersed for other world builders to know?
0: No. No, okay. Right. It's got good, it's got good like it's a, it's a good setting, I think. And so it's got fun stuff in it and okay. fun ideas for for anyone else who wants to build a science fiction-y, you know, kind of a soft sci-fi or a science fantasy setting. But it's not um, like,
1: but it's not like GURPS in the sense of like, here is a, a method for constructing a setting to play our game in.
0: No, no. no. Okay. Uh, Baiso have done that in some of their other books, uh, like other stuff in the, the Pathfinder line does give you, you know, say, here's a, a tool to make a, an interesting city or whatever uh, for your game. But it's, it's kind of presented more in terms of rules rather than in terms of real life mathematics and, and statistics and metrics.
1: Okay, so not something I necessarily need to pick
0: up. No, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be all that relevant to kind of a general world building practice. Okay,
1: cool. Uh, and then the other thing I was going to say was I was thinking at some stage, uh, possibly for a like April Fool's Day video. Um, okay. And it kind of defeats the purpose of, you know, saying this on the podcast, but, you know, whatever. As a special sort of bonus video or whatever, I was thinking we should, um, what do you think about the idea of doing a one-off D&D thing? Yeah. Like, I think that would be really cool if we could get some of our uh, friends, that would be a logistical nightmare trying to get like, more people to record and people to show up at the correct time and mics. And I don't know how we're going to work that. But I think it'd be kind of fun if uh, one of us or both of us kind of quickly came up with enough of a world to work for like a two hour one off um, and then play sure. through it and stuff. And that th- that might be a cool thing to do. Um, so, yeah, that might be something because I've just I've, I've started I'm going to start a new D&D campaign in November. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Now that I have a house. Oh, yeah. I live in Castle Edgar now. I have a home. I am no longer. I'm no longer a vagrant traveling around the world living on people's couches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I have an actual place. Uh, I was asked, do I want to play D and D, and then the the D and D guys were like, "Yeah, come to this pub," and I'm like, "No, you can come to my house. It's fine. Um, and we can play in the house, which is a lot nicer of an atmosphere. Um Great. So, so then, yeah, based on that, I'm kind of like be nice to play like be nice to record that like it can be really fun i remember from when sure. we played D D together like some of the sessions were hilarious yeah um and it might be a cool thing to um to do and then frame it around this idea of like this is a world we've constructed and maybe some some of like some of the workings of it will be revealed through the playing of the game and people yeah. might get some information it might be an
0: idea i mean that's not entirely out of the question for me to use some hand kind of wavier for that yeah, but that's already pre-made stuff. The, only, the the big problem is well one
1: I I wonder would people care um about any of the other characters in our life. Like as in friends, like as in, you know, we bring along Joe blogs. Artifexia does not know Joe blogs, you know? Yeah. Um so that might be one and two the logistics of even just getting a third person means like we're going to need to start some sort of server, like a Discord thing, mics mm. and so there's problems but I, I'm
0: glad I wish you, you do it in person one time
1: there's still mics yeah and still mics are still and even like the I, one thing I hate um and, and sometimes I get that a necessity that it must happen for, for money reasons but when people do a gaming podcast like that and they have like one mic in the center of the table and you can kind of sort of only hear everyone at like 50% because of that and yeah. it's just, it doesn't, well, it's not immersive, you know? So anyhow, lots of logistics. Well
0: Chaotic Adequate how they manage it because I think they record in person and sound quality is usually quite good, so. I would imagine mics, <laughs> lots of mics. Yeah. And then we need a mixer because,
1: I mean, would everyone bring their laptops and put their laptops on the table where we're meant to be playing D&D? Like I'd imagine you'd want one recording station and run a load of mics into the mixer and then I have to buy one and yeah. then it's like, but anyhow- possible future project Artifexia let us know if that's a thing you're interested in um if you are maybe we can kind of accelerate that process we'll see how it goes Mm -hmm. um but yeah there are my two points
0: on that is there anything else uh no that's that's my stuff for for uh green room today
1: okay buckle in bill (laughs) this might go for a while uh
0: Stop me at one
1: sec. Stop me at any time if this goes too long. Uh, so first thing, anyways, is I was in the states, mm-hmm. um, and I met up with Zidnaf. Brilliant in person, and I can confirm Zidnaf is corporeal. He okay. He is of possession of a body, and if anyone would like to, not a
0: purely conceptual creature.
1: He's not a purely conceptual preacher. Also, he's not a small, chubby Asian child, which I had in my mind, which is weird. You know where you paint these images of people you've, you've never seen before? No. Being serious?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. We had this thing before. You don't do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I get very strong, vivid em- imagery of what these people look like. Um, like people on radio, I, I have strong imagery of what they look like. And they never looked the way they do. Um, but yeah, in my head, Zidnaf was a small, relatively chubby, like, Asian child. Dark hair, bowl cut. Um, kind of a bit, bit bouncy and jolly and stuff. And it's...
0: So you thought Zidnaf was the boy from
1: Up? The boy from Up? Do you know what? That is not too far off. Okay. I thought Sidnaf, that is fair. I thought Sidnaf was effectively the boy from up, but uh, he wasn't. And if I'm going to send you a picture, and if anyone's interested, links in the show notes to Sidnaf's face if you're interested. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're interested, check it out. Links in the show notes. Anyhow, point being, I want to thank Sidnaf and uh, his sister and his family and everyone for having me. It was. Awesome, and I'm glad to have uh, seen the states and to see the eclipse. I seen the eclipse w- with them, which was incredible. Class. Yeah, and so without without their generosity and their hospitality, I would not have been able to do these things. Uh, and it really means a great deal. So on air, publicly, just want to say thanks a billion to the entirety of the NAF family. Um. Short story, short horrific story. You kind of know this, but I want to pull on the podcast. Um, I had a stopover in San Francisco airport. Okay. And in San Francisco, I lost my laptop. Oh God. (laughs) Like an idiot. My like three and a half thousand euro laptop, the thing that I had saved up for so hard. And I had left it at an information desk. And then just as I was trying to get my check in to the plane, uh, I was like, Oh crap! I'm missing a bag. Oh no! And so, an uh, extra shout out—a uh, a lovely Hawaiian couple—got um, the laptop. They brought it to uh, an information desk, and I, true, pure serendipity. I happened to be walking just aimlessly around the airport, trying to look for this thing, and out of the corner of my eye, I see them at the information desk with my bright red laptop bag. And I, I need, to, I need to thank and apologize, particularly. Um, the male in the couple, uh, because I kind of, sort of mauled him when I see that. I went up and was like, "Thank you," and then just like gave him a massive hug. And he's like, "What? What do you want?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that, that's my laptop." Uh, like, thank you so much. So I managed to get it back, and so thanks to the hospitality—not the hospitality—thanks to, thanks to the um, kindness of the people in San Francisco. That was awesome because without the laptop, everything I do would have. Gone, you know, yeah, no means of recording a podcast, no means of making videos, just yeah, that would have been the end. And I can't afford to buy another one because you know, Apple's extortion of prices, um, yeah. So, quick story there. So, it was, it was, it was equal parts lovely and heartbreaking, and the whole thing was great. So, um, mm-hmm. there you go, America. Now, now, the real thing I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about Undertale, and anyone okay. who has been played Undertale and likes Undertale should stop listening right now there's no other content in this episode this is the last thing we're going to say so stop listening right now because this is not going to go well uh, have you oh, played
0: I, I, I do have one thing that I forgot to say earlier okay do you want to put it in now I'll put it in now real quick yeah go um, for it. on my map uh, the the <laughs> shape I have for sorry no this is important the map that I have for the Kerguelen Plateau Um <laughs> I found a few versions online, but I mainly derived one from from one that I found on DeviantArt by a guy called Freodoric. And I, I, I didn't want to, like, like use it without giving them a, a, a legitimate shout out. So, sorry, just while I think of it, because I have the tab open, I just want to say that. I'll put the link in the show notes for it. Um, I didn't want to, like, you know, just, like, rip someone's, someone's work off um and, and give them no help, whatsoever. So I, I use that I use that to, to help me um to, to figure out the shape of Kagrell and Plateau for my map. Okay, I just wanted to get that done. Let's talk about
1: Undertale.
0: Oh my god, that's brilliant.
1: That's... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh... oh yeah, okay, Undertale. Have you played Undertale?
0: I have not. I'm only vaguely aware of it.
1: Okay, alright. Well do you mind spoilers? Uh, very yeah. very mild I only played like two hours of the game uh, and it'll become apparent why I only played two hours in a second Um. anyhow so uh, Undertale I'm only vaguely aware of the ph- phenomenon that is Undertale I know it's a game that's been raved about yeah I know it's an or- like an 8-bit RPG and I know that the kind of premise of it is to like toy with the idea of what an RPG is
0: yeah and that, that's I've it. heard that it's a great game with uh, that with a sometimes very annoying fan base. That's one of the things I've heard about it. Oh boy, there's one particular there's
1: two particular people who I know might be listening at this point. Where I'm kind of like, I apologize in advance for this. I'm really sorry. Um, we are not referring it's, to anyone in particular. This is really important. It's not my
0: opinion. It's just a thing that I've heard online. That's the that's one of the impressions I've gotten from it. Like you know how stuff can be really good and you know otherwise good people. Listen, people people who are fine can can be fans of it, and that's fine. But also, you get really like a really obnoxious set of fans. Yeah. Like, you know, how like any nerd community has obnoxious nerds, or how, you know, I'm sure My Little Pony is a perfectly good cartoon, but bronies are still kind of weird when they take it too far.
1: Oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, everything makes no. That that's all very diplomatic. But again, I just need to stress to the, the particularly a, a handful of people that I know might be listening. We're not talking about anyone in particular. Okay, this is really important. Oh God, I feel like I'm burning friends as we go. Okay. Anyway, well, I'm 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 feeling pretty okay. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, you're okay. (laughs) No, but I get your point. Yeah, with any fan thing, there is all with any collection of people, there's always going to be good people and bad people in that. And there's always be people who take it too far or get too in the weeds and things like that. And Um, certain things can have
0: obnoxious communities and that doesn't reflect in any way on the community in general.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. On on the
0: individuals in general. Yeah,
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, so uh, uh, Undertale is an RPG and toys with the idea of being an RPG. Um, I played this on a recommendation of a friend and I was like viscerally angry at the (laughs) fact that I gave this developer money Like, this game was, like, is, like, to me, like, jaw-droppingly awful. Uh, And I was, like, I'm not doing the hipster thing where you dislike the thing that's popular. Uh, Like, I'm an RPG head. I adore RPGs. And I, I was, like, trying to get into this game, trying to understand it. And it's just, I was, it was unfathomable to me how bad the game is. Now, to explain my point here. Um, This whole idea that it's a commentary on RPGs, to me, it feels like some guy had a son or daughter uh, who grew up to be an RPG head. And this dad would, like, look over the shoulder of their um, children while they play and be like, Yeah, I totally get RPGs and I'm going to make fun of it in a real dad humor jokey way. And the whole game feels like it's been constructed by, like an old man who's only capable of, like, puns and really low-hanging fruit humor all the time. And it's, like, it's constant. Like, there hardly a little bit of dialogue goes by without there being some sort of pun, some sort of, like, stupid joke that only works because maybe it's so terrible that it works. And it's, like, it, there's no respite from it. It's, like, it's all the time. And then, like, the st- I don't get the story... Like, what's going on? Like, a girl fell down the hole and is now in Monsterland. Okay. Great. And she has to leave it's Monsterland. It's kind of like, where? where is the compulsion to care about this? Like, I'm used to JRPGs where it's like, let, let, let's let just take Final Fantasy X now. I realize it's a very, very different thing. But, like, in the first, like, hour say of playing final fantasy X, you're like introduced to like a celebrity protagonist who like on like a culminating like moment in his career is the culminating moment his career is destroyed by a like a city-sized massive monster that comes and lays waste to his homeland and he is guided by like this mysterious character he sort of kind of knows into the monster and then he's, like, transported a thousand years into the future and finds out that, like, not only is he in the future, but everything he knew is gone. And he has to, like, try and rebuild, try and regroup. And then that's before we even get into, like, the actual premise of the thing. So immediately you're hit with it. And it's like this, ooh, I need to understand this story and live this story. But in Undertale, it's like, girl, girl, boy, I don't know what it is, fell down the whale, well, well and Monsters, and is going to leave. And it's like, okay, there's no compulsion for me to keep playing, and it's just aggravating. And then the soundtrack, sorry, Bill, I'm sorry, just stop me at any time. The the, the soundtrack is uh, largely perceived as being a great soundtrack. I agree. I think the music is beautiful. Really, really great music. The only problem is that every time dialogue comes up, it's like, the sound effect that goes along with the words showing up in the bubbles is akin to like someone took a typewriter, put it in a blender, and blitzed it, and then reassembled like the disemboweled parts, and began hacking away at that for the sound it 's like and it 's like overly loud and it drowns out the music and it just it's just Chinese water torture every time one of these like really annoying Puntastic monster speaks to you And you're like I want to murder Every one of those characters Indiscriminately And it's like Oh It's just It's I'm so viscerally angry thing And the checkpoints are in Really silly locations The battle system is like What? What's going on with the battle system? Like it's just None of it makes sense And it's just Oh it's just It's just I just i i don't i don't even understand why this is a thing. It's just it hurts so much, Bill.
0: It's like oh, oh. So, so like out of ten, it'll be <laughs> a strong seven or a weak eight. <laughs> yeah, it, that, that's the impression I'm getting here. Have, have I got that right?
1: I think we need negative numbers to be fair. <laughs> And like, and I'm trying not to just be scathing because it's like a thing, but it's just, I don't get it. I don't get this thing at all. And I have a sneaky suspicion it's very much like Star Wars in that when you go back and actually watch the Star Wars movies, I I think most of us who aren't like kind of ingrained uh, Star Wars nerds can kind of accept that they're not brilliant. Like there's moments of brilliance in them, but for the most part, it's kind of like, it's okay, it's mediocre. Like, the you know, the characters are kind of stupid. Like, Wookiees are kind of silly when you think about it. Um, and the giant slugs, you know, like the, the huts, like, kind of silly. Um, and, like, there's so much of it that's kind of, like, a bit nonsense. But it's the culture that sprung up around Star Wars um, and all the, like, people trying to, like, you know, write books about how lightsabers work that make it super, super interesting. And I think this is what's happened here. Although I don't know about the fan community, but I feel like people have found a thing in this game and went on and and made this game more than it is, and therein lies the brilliance of the thing. I think the game in and of itself, when you're not connected to the community, is just—it's just—it's just awful. Like, it's—I don't
0: know. I don't know. Sorry, rant. <laughs> That that's okay. I I just I have nothing to offer. <laughs> uh, can,
1: can I send you? Can I can I send you a clip? And can to I watch get now? to watch now? And can I get your thoughts on it? Uh, because again, I wonder is this because you're not involved in the community either, and we both kind of I think have the same level of knowledge about this game. So okay, just yeah, from an outside perspective, what do you think of like aesthetics, delivery, premise? Now I realize it's only a little short clip, but it's in Skype there. Go. Cool have a have a watch it's five minutes try and watch the f- the whole five minutes if you can
0: okay what was stupid? Are you finished? yeah.
1: Okay, so the clip I just sent, Bill, was the... It happens at the start of the game, so no big spoilers. It's like um the date with this character called Papyrus, whose sole existence, as far as I can discern, is just there to be kind of a bit of a goofball. Um, And you go on this date with the character for reasons. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and then this is the battle scene that kind of I'll link this in the show notes but it's the battle scene that kind of occurs and thoughts what did you think about this
0: um there were some vaguely funny moments
1: <laughs> see I think you're for me though like the entire time I was sitting there jaw on the floor being like what am I experiencing here why it's as kind why- of annoying It was do you see what I mean about the text though? Yeah. It's so loud and it happens all the time. And also he's called Papyrus and the font of his dialogue is the papyrus font. And it's like, ah Christ, lads. It's just real it's just this like low hanging fruit humor and it's just it's really annoying and none of it makes sense to me and I'm aggravated because I don't understand what this is. People shouldn't like things
0: that you don't like, Edgar.
1: People shouldn't like the people should, people totally should. And then people should tell me why they like it. Cause I'm intrigued because cause clearly this game exploded like two years ago, something like that, maybe a year ago. And I want to understand why. Like, what is it I'm not getting here? Like I'm clearly not getting something. Um, because like my reaction to this doesn't fit right with me you know I should be into this game I like RPGs and if something can be like you know make fun of an RPG then great that sounds even better like loads of meta commentary on RPGs but it just this just doesn't work like I just I don't understand it just I don't know um and then a last point I could go on for days about this but one last point is the battle system is so arbitrary like the way it works is that you are given choices Oh no! I should explain this to you. Do, you. do you know a thing? Do you know that there's this thing called the pacifist run through?
0: The what? The pacifist run through. In games in general, you try to go do a game without killing anyone.
1: Yeah. So this is a thing in this game. It's like I think the standard run through is meant to be like you don't kill things, um, because okay. the day the game reacts to you doing the standard RPG thing and becomes I I believe harder and more laborious the more you try to RPG it. Um, so in this password run through, you don't fight. Uh, you you do this thing called act, and it brings up a whole load of commands. Like as in, you meet this dog in a in a in a, uh, a suit of armor later on for again reasons, and the, uh, you know the uh, the commands are like pet, beckon roll around and things like that. And then it's kind of mm. like you're, you're just picking wildly. And then like, so I start off and I was like, okay, let's pet the dog. Nope, wrong answer. Battle scene. I'm like, okay. And then you arbitrarily go back and pick another option. Like, I don't know, beckon. And then it's like the dog comes closer and you're like, okay, that was the right answer. Battle scene. And you're like, wait a minute, wait. So hold on. I get punished if I select the right answer and the wrong answer. What am I even doing here? Why is this happening? Right.
0: And then and it's, it the game doesn't give you any guidance on what to do. Like
1: no, okay, now, there are there are times where it does, where it's kind of clearly obvious what you should kind of what what is the most natural thing to pick. But there's times where it's kind of like, okay, no, I'm just picking wildly in the dark here. Like that beckon thing. Like I didn't know to call the thing over. How would like? Why don't I pet the dog? My natural reaction to seeing a dog is to pet the dog. If they're not like rabbit and stuff.
0: Um how can you pet the dog if the dog isn't beside you? And if the dog is beside you, how do you beckon it closer?
1: Yeah, fair enough. But like, <laughs> but like, even that, it's like, why are we doing this? Why is that even an action? Like, just put yeah. the dog close to me. It's, like, it's so, it's so frustrating. And like, oh, I don't, I just don't, there's nothing about this game I understand. Like, and then, just little nitpicky things, like, if you're doing the passive thing and you just don't want to kill anything, you, like, um, you do this thing called spare. And, like, the game is, like, fighting you. It's like you go spare, and they're like, nope, battle. And you're like, I don't want to battle. And it's like, you try again after that little battle sequence, and you go spare. And then the game just goes, nope. And you're like, I just, I want to murder everything because of this game. Like, you're, it's just not an enjoyable experience. It's just, oh i just, I'm so, and I, I, the thing that makes me so kind of like angry about it is that like it costs a tenner, which is fine. I have no problem spending a tenner on a game. But for like a couple of quid more, I, I realise, and I don't know how I didn't realise this before, th- the entire Final Fantasy back catalogue is on Steam.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: could have bought seven again. I could have l- played eight again and nine. And I could have tried 12 again, but I'm with, I'm stuck with Undertales <laughs> like, you you,
0: you can stop playing it, and
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I have. I have. I, I. I was like, okay, I'm. I'm going to sit through this and do this. And I got to like the two and a half hour mark or something. And I was like, there's nothing in this for me. It's just I'm done. I rarely put down a game, and I'm just, I'm just kind of like I see no value in this creation at all. Um, and this is the point where everyone unsubscribes, right? Our Patreon, right? <laughs> This is gonna die. A no, I can say
0: anything offensive. I'm still brilliant. People will stick around for me. I make up for all your awfulness. Bill, e- everyone loves Bill. Everyone loves Bill. Um, the majority
1: of the Reddit comments are always very Bill-centric. Uh, no, that's not true. That is true. Mainly because you do because well because loads of times I haven't shown up with any of my homework done. So it's like, well, obviously we're going to talk about Bill's creation because it is the only creation um but yeah everyone lo- okay uh guys uh if you're considering unsubscribing from the podcast just spare a moment for bill anyhow <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's my rant over someone tell me why i'm wrong someone tell me what i'm missing um i i really i really want to understand this i just don't um yeah anything else there bill no will we leave it at that <laughs> i'm so sorry to subject you to this that's okay. <laughs> okay, I will see you next month. Uh have a good one. And I'll see all the listeners next month. Take care, everyone, and Edgar out. Edgar out. <laughs>